You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since 1977. Welcome to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. I am Large William. Across the border from me, great state of Kentucky, is my partner, my good pal, Sammy. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm, I'm alive. I'm doing well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. So here we are. We uh, seem to be recording bi-weekly lately, but that's the way things go uh, on both ends. We've just It's been difficult as uh, it's the song. That's our... Seems like it's our hit song. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh, we're lover boys singing, working for the weekend. Uh, yeah, casinos. It's pretty tough. A, it's tough. You know, we yeah. find a way. I remember. I remember though. You know, the first time, like the first, like when my son was born. I remember being a little bumpy for a while. So yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, it's temporary, but uh, you know, we're still managing to get it done. Mm-hmm. Not every week like we'd wish sometimes, but we're getting it done. Yeah, and like I said before, I'd love to put some out every week, but there's times where you know you get tired, you get obligations, you you don't want to be gassed out when you're trying to do stuff with your family, and you know. So we apologize. We don't mean to be erratic. I know we've said that before, but we'll do our best to get these out in as timely a fashion as possible. Um, this week's episode, we should say off the hop, to act like we've been here before, is brought to you and brought to us courtesy of show sponsor Arrow Video US. So. Actually, it's Diabolic DVD. That's right. So, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm thinking about that next week's show. Yeah, there you go. You're oh, a week boy. ahead already. Man. <laughs> I, I hit that first hurdle with such confidence, and I just proceeded to trip all over it. That's so, okay. it's, uh, We've all been there. I don't think Jesse listens to the show, thankfully. But um, this week's show is brought to you by – and brought to us by <laughs> – she, yes, dear, dear show sponsor, longtime partner of ours, DiabolicDVD.com. That's right. That's right. So said there, head there, uh, stop messing with the ace, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and pick up your, all your hard-to-find genre needs. Um, this week's episode is, it was my turn to program um, four 
the show. Uh, as we do, we take turns, and I wanted to uh, get into some kind of really sleazy, fun stuff. So we are going to be covering a film that both of us and many of our listeners seem to have thought that we already covered. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody, everybody seems to think we covered this thing already. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because it seems very synonymous with our show. A 1976 Ruggiero Diodato film, Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man. And uh, another film that um, is quite bonkers. I was a big fan of. I think you had, you had seen it before or you had not seen yeah. it? You had seen yeah, it yeah, I'd seen it before. Yeah. Um, a bonkers film uh, from across Europe. I thought it was Mexican up until this time I'd seen it. Uh, from 1981, Los Violadores, a.k.a. Mad Foxes. Yeah. So what do you call this one? Live like a fox, die like a man? or <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think that, that works for me. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we get into those films, and that's going to, I'm sure, yield some uh, some interesting Critical thinking from your two friendly neighborhood uh, armchair film reviewers. What have you been watching? We're in full-on cram mode, which means we're in full-on Koi Roy mode. Yeah, yeah, Koi Roy, but uh, I haven't really had a whole, a whole lot of time to check out as much as I would like, obviously. I think this year's uh, Top 30 is going to be a little rough for me because, obviously, the timing of the newborn and stuff, I didn't really kind of... Factor think about that, that. yeah i didn't really factor that into the uh you know you don't really plan for your top 30 watching uh around pregnancies and things like that so it's true uh you know that's taking a bite of the apple although my daughter did get to watch uh about 20 minutes of mad foxes i wonder what that'll do to her brain nice. she's only she's that, only uh you know two months old sure she won't remember it but <laughs> you often wonder off, she's in it to win it at an early age <laughs> she's doing high kicks already whenever her diaper's getting changed <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, but I, I watched, uh, I think iTunes had uh, boys in the hood on sale for five bucks. So I bought it off there. Uh, $5 worth. I didn't, I didn't own it on DVD or Blu-ray. So I thought, you know, Hey, I, that's one I'd like to have. So we rewatched that. This, that wasn't a cram. That was just a re- random rewatch. And, uh, it was good. Vacuum cleaners running in the background as usual. Cause I'm on a phone recording again. Yeah. Always recording right around the time that, uh, the area I stay set in is getting cleaned. Pleasuring oneself while recording a podcast is no easy feat. <laughs> yes, that's right. The suction hose yeah. is working well. Um, but I rewatched that. It's it's interesting to look at this movie. This movie's 25 years old this year. It's interesting that's to look crazy. at this movie now because uh, some of the acting seems a little like one note and, yep. and very amateurish. And some of the filmmaking, too. Uh, the message is still there. It's an but, earnest film, right? I mean, it, yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's in the right place, the sort yeah. of desperation of the times. and Yeah, but 25 years later, it seems, you know, it, and, and not in a bad way, but it just seems you know, over-earnest in some spots, like overly preachy in spots, but not in a bad, not in the, not in the way that you, you know, you disrespect the movie anymore, but it is weird to see it now, 25 years later, because, you know, I'd only seen it maybe twice, so this is maybe the third time I'd watch it, so I'd forgotten some of the stuff in it, and, you know, man, it... There's some spots where it's like, whoa, I would have cut that out. But, you know, at the time, I thought, man, this is a masterpiece. Oh, it was my favorite movie. I remember seeing it in theaters with my dad and my younger brother, and it was my favorite film. And I had I was rocking silk shirts like Trey back then. Oh, nice, and, nice. Uh, Did you have I the gold was, chain on the outside? I didn't. I never got it. I never got down with the gold chain on the outside, but there were lots of silk shirts. Um, and up until Pulp Fiction came out, this was my favorite film. I oh, really nice, nice. I this film, and I really loved it. Yeah, it, uh, it still has a really nice energy um, that it gets across. Uh, surprisingly, some of the best acting is done by... Cuba Gooding Jr. 
Yeah, that that was surprising. Some of the some of the stuff uh, that holds up really well. The Ice Cube performance yes. holds up really well because you know he's really not too far removed from maybe the kid he once was. Mm-hmm. So that works. Uh, some of the other acting uh, does struggle a little bit. Some of the Larry Fishburne stuff is kind of hilarious in hindsight because uh, the man can't dance and the man can't uh-huh. sing. And uh, ooh, there's a few moments, but there's a good message there between fathers and sons, and there's there's some good stuff there too. Yeah, there is. Uh, I yeah, I mean it's it, it's a good movie. I mean it's a solid movie. I don't I don't know you know if I I'd be interested in like you know reviewing it someday to kind of see how we feel about it now that it's all this time's gone by because a lot has changed. Some things have some not things sadly. And some things yeah, are fucking, which I posted. You know, I said you know the message is still there and some of it sadly is still relevant, but some of it also is 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 it's one of those things where you know films that are hot topics at the moment they can sometimes look like almost. They can almost seem clumsy, and yes. and and when you look back at them, sure. So, and we've talked about this with other movies we watch, right? You know, uh, that are older and stuff. You know, they get very, you know, overly political and stuff. So it's, it's interesting, but uh, still very good, still very interesting and well made first film from a filmmaker. And again, I think John Singleton's an underrated filmmaker. I think he's a, he's a good popcorn filmmaker, and he's a good filmmaker in general. I really wish he had have kept going, and I had think he had, I wish he had become sort of the West Coast Spike Lee in some ways. Because mm-hmm. I always kind of look at this and do the right thing, you know, do the right thing being sort of the East Coast thing, and this is the West Coast thing, and yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I'd be interested to rewatch the right thing. I haven't watched it in a long time. I I'd watched be it to rewatch that before I went to New York. It holds up pretty well. Obviously, I think Spike Lee is a better filmmaker than Singleton. Not, I mean, but hey, that's no, you know, discredit to Singleton. Um, I think what Spike Lee's films do, though, in comparison to, to Singleton, Singleton kind of works in the real world. Yeah. Whereas Spike Lee kind of works in Spike Lee's, Spike world. Lee's world. Sure. <laughs> Which That's is not really, you know, it's not really the real world. I mean, if you look at Do the Right Thing, from what I can remember. It, it is over the top, and it's it's yeah. cartoonish in spots. He tried to do some things that I don't, I think, do feel dated from a technique perspective. It's still, I think, a masterpiece, but mm-hmm. it, it does feel like um, a moment in time. Right, right. And uh, the only other thing I watched, I did get one cram jam in. I wanted to watch this because some people told me it was surprisingly good, and that was The Gift, which is... Uh, yeah, I saw you watch that. Yeah, directed by Joel Edgerton, written by Joel Edgerton. Oh, directed and, by him. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he's in it, and uh, Jason Bateman's in it. He has a really good performance. I mean, uh, I'm surprised. sometimes Jason Bateman surprises me. Sometimes I don't like him, and then sometimes I like him a lot. I, I, you know, I've basically grown up with him. Oh, yeah, from the Hogan because, family. Yeah, he's probably, he's basically been a part of my life, like my whole life, all the way back to Silver Spoons and oh yeah, that's right, and everything. He's been, kind of always been there, so I'm always interested in what he's doing because you know, like uh, Ricky Schroeder and those kind of guys, kind of you know, grew up with him. So this one, he's really he's really doing a really fine performance, and the acting is all good in it. Uh, the film's a little long in the tooth. Uh, it's almost two hours long. It's not a bad thing, but I think for what it is, it's a little too long. Um. But I'm not going to talk too much about it because it does have some nice twists and turns, and I like the way it's handled. And Edgerton shows a very, you know, he's he's a gifted filmmaker. I think he'll be uh, he'll be uh, one to watch. That's it's a really it, it's a nice kind of quiet piece. It's not a over the top, uh, you know, kind of like debut film. It's kind of like a nice little, you know, probably ten or fifteen million dollar little thriller he's made here. And uh, the performance is really good, and uh, I, th- I think that's the key there. I think, you know, he's he's an actor, obviously a good actor, a very good actor, and I think that uh, he gets a really good performance out of Babin and uh, Rebecca Hall, I think her name. I think that's – well, she was oh, in The Town. Oh, she was in The Town, and yeah. I think she worked There's with a couple Woody other Harrelson. things, right? Woody and, uh, Woody Allen, I should say. Yeah, yeah, and so she's she's really good in the movie too, so – there's some uh, 
there's some really good moments in it. So I don't think it'll make my top thirty, uh, but I will. So I will say that it's definitely worth a watch because it is a a solid little thriller. I, th- I just thought it kind of looked, you know, the way it was advertised, the way it was sold and stuff. It just kind of looked like a. To me, it just didn't look very interesting. It looked kind of one note, but there's actually a little bit more. Well, a lot more depth to the story than I thought there was. Nice. And so it's 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 good though. It's good stuff. But yeah, I was going to try to get a couple more things in. I am working on some things, but uh, I haven't been able to finish them, so they're not worth mentioning yet. So I'm kind of working on some things, kind of getting through some stuff. Uh, time just hasn't been there. And, of course, you know, I just want to take this moment to say, you know, we're, we're both saddened because this weekend was rough to us football fans. Oh, man. It was rough for you. Heartbreaking for both of us. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally, we can both say this time, it heart, both of our hearts were broken this weekend. Oh. Mine on a fumble. Uh, yours on a yours on a, a hell of a pass and then a, a weird coin toss moment. Don't get the fucking ball in overtime. <laughs> yeah, I know. One of the weirdest things. So just, just, some, just some weird moments this weekend uh, to coincide with what's just been a crazy year. So uh, anyway, you know, a little upset, obviously, last night. But, you know, time moves on. You move on. You move on quick. The older you get, the more you realize it's just it's silly to get upset about those things. As you posted, as people who follow you on Facebook know. It's it's also meaningless in the grand scheme of things, but for a red hot moment, your heart it's, is broken. And that's always the thing I, when I think about sports, you know, at sort of their the height of their emotion, the elation you feel as a fan, and you because you fall, you become emotionally invested. You're reading articles every day, and not so much newspapers anymore, but you become so emotionally invested. You buy the gear. I mean, it just becomes a thing, and the highs you reach and the lows you reach are kind of unrivaled in terms of most hobbies. Um, yeah, it's knowing when to have perspective and, and turn it off and not let it ruin your day, which, you know, hopefully as we all get older, we get perspective. But when I always look at film, how it's a little more even keel usually. I mean, films can stay with you and make you think and <laughs> yeah. move you, but it's not like I've never jumped up, screamed at the top of my lungs, cackled for minutes, rolled on the floor like a lunatic yeah. with a film. So, and that's yeah. not to disparage film. I mean, we're doing, we've been doing this show for over seven yeah. years. Clearly we love film, but I may have done that with behind the green door. The first time I saw yeah. it that was a long time ago. <laughs> that's right, man. <laughs> but no, it's, it was a heartbreaking weekend. Uh, I didn't get to see, uh, the game, your game, the Packer Cardinal oh, game, uh, good game, because man. I was, uh, working, but, uh, uh, I saw the highlights and I was like, oh man, that's a heartbreaker. And I was like, man, I hope my heart doesn't get broken the next day. And the problem with mine was too, for most of the game, they had it under control. They did. They just think, yeah, that's right, man. They kind of kept and it that, low scoring. That damn fumble and that damn, oh. that damn not touching Peyton Manning when he fell down thing. Oh, <laughs> and anyway, we should both move on. And yeah, I know some of our listeners don't care for football or sports or anything, but you know, again, yeah, and that's fine. I, I totally understand that. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But, uh, you know, Will and I have always been fans of sports. And, you know. It, it can be it, great it theater, does. right? Because there yeah, are human stories theater. there. There's, there's human yeah. stories in there. There's people that have persevered and worked hard. And there's lessons to be learned. And when you and I spoke about um, with the, um, you know, some of the kickers over the years. Uh, what's his name for the Bills? I guess the Giants. Oh, yeah, Norwood. Steve Norwood and stuff. Was it Steve? Scott Norwood. Scott Norwood. With Scott Norwood and stuff, some of the the human drama that unfolds, um, Mm -hmm. it can be rich. And, you know, there's moments that, you know, I can tell you when the Packers get the ball, I don't know if you saw that, but they hit a fourth and 20 either end zone, right, to get them sort of the half, like the 50-yard line. Um, And then they lined up, and there was like three seconds on the clock. And Braden had passed out because at this point it's 1130 at night. 
Um, but William and my, my wife and I are all holding hands. And I go, guys, I go, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But I said, Hail Marys, don't. And then William kind of calmly put his finger over my mouth. He goes, don't say it. <laughs> yeah. And he's yeah. seven years old. Yeah. Man, and then they connected on a 50-yard Hail Mary or whatever it was, 43 yards. And, yeah, we went crazy. But, you yeah. know, it's it, – yeah, it is it is what it is. There won't be two that's, – that's, that, that's amazing, though. Two years in a row, your team has went through these kind of crazy playoff games. Well, I looked at – I thought about it, and I think – This one not nearly as crazy as the one before. but And still. that says something. Yeah, that does say something. <laughs> yeah. See, I think they said that in the last – like, in their last – Six playoff games, five of them have come down to the last possession when they've lost. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's been tough. I mean, you know, each other in the glass is half full. Being an mm. eternal optimist with everything in life, and I think we played, you know, uh, through the playoffs for the most part. In this game, we played without our top four receivers from the start of the year. Yeah, and yeah, we yeah. ran with them. You know, you discover some things, and you know, you build character, right? Which I guess in life you persevere and you learn to weather the storm. But that's the way it goes. So until next year. Until next year, maybe we can have that GGTMC Super. Hey, at least in our lifetime, we got to see a GGTMC Super Bowl. That's right. That's right. So it'd be nice to give you a shot to, to get one back your way. Respect, yeah. I hope it doesn't go that way, but I'd like to see you get there. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to give you the opportunity yeah. to. For me, you know, it, yeah. you know, with an aging quarterback on the, the Steelers team, I'm just hoping that uh, you know they can get one more uh, in the next three to five years because I think that's about the extent of yeah. what we'll probably see. Three to five years, but they got those young pieces that they, you know, they just couldn't stay healthy. And I think if they had been healthy, but they would have dismantled Denver pretty easily. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I don't have any doubt. If well, they'd have had Brown, and I think if they'd have had Bell, and oh, and then and, even uh, Hall, Roethlisberger, he may have been faking, he may have not, but it doesn't matter. That I think he was hurt. Had the pieces, yeah, he was hurt to some degree. Yeah, if they'd have had the pieces, they'd have been fine. Yeah. But again, fumbles are a bitch. They oh, change everything. Man. Oh, they're just they rip <laughs> your heart out. Yeah, I felt so bad for that running back. And he's a young kid, man. He's a yeah, young I know. kid. It was devastating. Yeah, he and he's. I think he's going to be a good piece for you guys. We can catch the ball to the backfield, and yeah, you know, more sports talk people don't care about, but I think he'll be good for you guys. Um, <laughs> this week on GGTMC Sports. That's right. <laughs> um, so that was it then. That's how you watched. That's all I watched. Yeah, like I said, okay. I'm trying to get through a couple other things, but it's not worth uh, me having an opinion on yet. So. No, no, I hear you. I had to kind of finish up a few things too. Um, in fact, I just finished one, finished one before we recorded. So this is the life of, uh, for those who don't know, those of you who are, you know, have the benefit of, uh, extra time, maybe no, uh, maybe no significant other, uh, or, you know, if that's a benefit to you and maybe no kids, if that's a benefit to you. Anyway, if you got time, let's put it that way, you know, you get to watch your movies like I used to, you get to watch your movies start to finish and you used to, you know, sure. <laughs> nowadays it's, uh. It's like that classic pieces. Oh man. Uh, everything is in pieces, my. It is. Everything my entertainment life is pieces, bro. Yeah. It's all uh <laughs> quilt styly, man. You got to stitch it all together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I might have like uh, two or three different things working right now. But, oh, I was uh, there. I was there. I just cleaned up one last night and one tonight. Yep. So, I watched um number 55. This was a real kind of deep cut film that I'd picked up a few months ago. It's a Croatian film. Croatian war film. Uh, it, it, to summarize it in short, would be the Croatian Black Hawk Down. Oh, okay. Um, it, it looks quite good. I think it almost suffers a bit from too much kind of uh, fire, you know, sort of exchange. Um, the great character faces and the production values and stuff looks great, but I don't think it's going to Fire exchange? You mean gunplay? Yeah, gunplay. Too much, almost okay. too much. 
<laughs> like like uh, replacement killers maybe too much. Yeah, like it, it's heavy, heavy, <laughs> constant, constant, constant. But I mean, it's okay. a good film. Good yeah. film. It's just you know, I don't know if I'll crack the top thirty. Um, then I watched a film that uh, I for some reason I didn't even know he had out, but he's the guy that the past three years I think I've crammed his films and I've been very pleased with them. It's uh, Pascal Dupuis' Reality. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this one, this one's good. Um, the only one you haven't seen is the uh, I was power just about one, right? To say I got to go see the Wings one, man. Yeah, Rubber. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, then I, I think you'll like Rubber. I think you will. I'm quite sure I will. I'm quite sure I will. Then I went and watched one again. I was looking for some deep cuts. I like to, you know, to use a sports analogy, I like to kind of, you know, have a scout around the world in the far flung gyms of the world, trying to find that diamond in the rough. So. Picked up a film that I thought, you know, sounded like a Sammy documentary. I wanted to see if I could do- drop a few docos on Sammy this year. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I watched one called The Life and Mind of Mark DeFriest. Hmm. Uh, this was good. Uh, I think the story is pretty fantastic. I think it's serviceably made. Um, it's about a guy. If you look up this guy, his last name is DeFriest, like priest, but with an F instead of a P. Jeff. This guy went to jail when he was... Um, I think 20 over kind of a wonky thing. His dad died and he went to get the tools from his dad and there was the estate was still kind of being decided and he went to jail for theft and um, he was a genius mechanically and he's broken out of prison about eight times and they've just kept stacking his sentence, stacking his sentence and he would do crazy things like build guns out of like match heads and like copper tubing and like you know, not a violent criminal, but just to try to get himself out of prison. Right. So, you know, it turns out that a mental evaluation he'd had done years ago, uh, in hindsight, the doctor had said, you know, maybe I miss, I miscalculated that. And anyway, it, it looks at him and the experiences he's been through, uh, American justice system. It's good, not great. Um, watched good night, mommy, which was one I'd meant to see for some time. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's on uh, Netflix now. Is it really? Yeah, just popped up on there a couple uh, of, oh, like a week ago or so ago. Very interesting. I didn't know that. Um, it's good. Uh, Austrian, I believe. Was it Austrian or German? Anyway, it's good stuff. Um, the Koi th- Rory and me. I mean, was- <laughs> uh, I'll be kind of honest. I feel like early on I caught what was going on. Like within the first minute I caught what was going on because it set something up. Oh, okay. Now. I'm no, you know, uh, detective. I like <laughs> yeah. to be surprised with films. So I don't look for actively look for answers. Right. I mean, it, it's pretty apparent, but um, yeah, I can't. I try not to do that either. Sometimes no. I will, and I even get I get mad at myself. I'm like, what, why are you being that douchebag? You know? Yeah, of course. That's solves being that solves the crime. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> stop being such, that guy. You're not you're not doing anything but hurting yourself when you do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a mastermind. So anyway, this was good. I would say it wasn't as good as I, I was anticipating. I, I anticipated it would be like a top five of the year film for me. It's not that. It's still a good film, though. I think it does touch on some interesting things. It's an art house horror film, which, you know, means it works for me. Um, next up I'm interested one, in checking it out, but yeah, I, don't know no, if I'm gonna, sure. I don't know if I'm going to cram it or not. I'm, yeah. I'm interested in checking it out, though. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely worth watching. Um, next is one that I won't be coy. I would say you should cram. It is on Netflix Instant. Um it's popped up on a lot of lists. A lot of our community dig it. It's uh, Tangerine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that on the list. Uh, it's on my Netflix queue as well, so I'm looking forward to that. Shot on the iPhone 5. Crazy, man. Crazy. The yeah. democratization of filmmaking. Uh, good film. Good film. Uh, we, nice. You know, We'll probably be hearing about that again. Um, 
went deep with this one. Uh, the title kind of was appealing to me. Uh, it's called Catch Me Daddy. It's weird. Okay. The films I've been cramming this year, I got Mommy, Good Night Mommy, Catch Me Daddy. <laughs> yeah, Good Night Mommy, Catch oh, Me Daddy. <laughs> good Night Mommy, Catch Me Daddy. Uh, it sounds like films of a different kind, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Se- yeah that 70s bizarre fixation in the adult industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that, that taboo genre. That taboo genre, indeed. <laughs> um, but this one is, I'll say this to you, this one is it runs in the same circles as a film like Tyrannosaur does, the Patty Considine film. Yeah, yeah. Or the Selfish Giant. Um, it's some it, uh, it's some, kind of uh, grim, some grim stuff, huh? <laughs> some fucking grim Northern British art house. Whoa! It's about a Pakistani British girl who is dating a white guy, a young white kind of layabout, and her family, her brothers are on the are looking for her. And so are some other people. Mm. Uh, and it's grim. It's very good, mm. though. I don't think it quite has the poetic soul that those other two well, yeah. films do. Yeah, we should say that, you know, we didn't say this. I said grim, but, you know, Tyrannosaur and Selfish Giant, I think, was on. Well, I know Selfish Giant and Tyrannosaur were both on my top 30. And same here. Same here. Same yeah, here. So yeah. even though they were grim, they were uh, special. Beautiful. Like like the, the sort of uh, same lineage as um, Kess. Yeah, Selfish Giant made me uh, made me cry. <sighs> Fuck, fucking ripped my heart out, man. Oh, yeah, really, uh, jeez. Moment, for those who haven't seen it, there's a moment in there that just brought shock and oh, uh, tears. Oh my god! Yeah, they're both eyes. excellent films, man. They're both yeah. really excellent films. Yeah, excellent films. I don't know how rewatchable. <laughs> no, never rewatchable. There's no rewatchability with. <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe after ten years, I'd rewatch them. I don't know if I'd, you know. Ugh. <laughs> Man, they leave a, they leave a mark. Let's put it that way. And that Yorkshire misery, man. Jeez, eat some more fucking <laughs> yeah. pudding. Yeah. Good lord. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> but uh, no, this one's good. I think it was. I think it was a uh, a debut film from the filmmaker. I think so. Mm. One to keep your eye on. This guy's got a you know this this is it was a good good debut film. Um. Then I did Breathe, which was another debut film. This one was directed by Melanie Laurent. Of Inglorious Bastards fame. Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I, I I didn't know what it was, and then I saw the name. I was like, oh yeah, I remember reading that she had directed something. Yeah, like I'm trying to give you know try again more off the beaten path stuff. Um, this was a good debut film. It won't make my top thirty. It does feel pretty real. Uh, I think she shows a patient, insightful uh, hand or an insightful eye and a, a patient, steady hand. I'd be curious to see what else she does as a filmmaker. We always need more female filmmakers and female voices um, and perspectives in film. And, and this is this is a good debut film. So maybe not cram worthy, but worth everyone's time. Absolutely. And great central performances, too. So um, then I went to Pakistan and I did a film called Daughter. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Now I was. I'll, I'll be. Fourth. You got. You got. Good night, mommy. You got. Come on, daddy. Catch me. Yeah. Fucking catch me, daddy. Good night, mommy. Daughter. Yeah, daughter. Mommy. So with, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for your brother film. What's whatever yeah, your brother yeah. film might be this year. That's right, man. <laughs> good lord. Um, but daughter was not as good as I was hoping it would be. Pakistani film. It looks great, and there's some really great stuff in it. But what it is is it's about a ten year old girl who. I think um, she has been promised to a local man to settle a, a debt or a feud between the families, and the mother mm-hmm. takes off with the daughter in tow. 
to avoid that fate for her daughter. Mm. Uh, so it's pretty intense in spots, but the film misfires by adding a bit of a kind of uh, kind spirit, romantic subplot that brings things to a halt. But you get to see a lot of geography and stuff. That's really cool. Um, you get to see, I think a story being told that you don't really see too much in film in a, in a parts of the world that aren't seen very often in film. So from that perspective, it's very good, but it was handled a bit clum, clum, uh, clumsily down the stretch. Otherwise, Hmm. um, next up was one that I finished tonight that I've sat, I've, watching about four different sittings and it's not uh, due to the lack of quality of the film. It, it is quite enjoyable. It's um, electric boogaloo. I don't know. What is it called? The big Canon documentary. Yeah. It's electric boogaloo. Electric the boogaloo. Uh, the uh, whatever thing, the wild and the story wild. of Canon films or something like that. That's right. This is on instant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that popped up on instant. I saw that. Have you seen this now? Yeah, I have. I bought it on iTunes. It was on sale for ten bucks, and uh, I bought it because it had like an extra twenty-minute uh, interview with uh, Michael Dudikoff. Because you know oh, they really tried oh. to they really tried to make Michael Dudikoff a big big star. You know. Yeah, so. they did. They sure did. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I loved it. I think Hartley um, is to exploitation film documentaries what Guy Ritchie is to Cockney British gangster films. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a. That's a good analogy. Yes, he, he, he's really he, good at it. Yeah, he, I'd like to see him do something. But he's just got great timing and pacing and editing. It's, it, they're just these documentaries make you really want to go out and see everything you haven't seen in the in the libraries. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some uh, Canon films, the serious Canon films. I wanted to see. Yeah, like the some of those serious one. Canon films. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's crazy, and because it, there's a lot of those like really serious, like award winning, uh, or they they were hoping to get nominated too. for Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, that I always skipped out on because they always looked kind of uh, well. They kind of, to be honest with you, they look kind of boring. Some a lot they of did. them. They, were they did. Classic novels and things like that, and they just looked kind of. At the time, nobody was really making that kind of stuff. No. So. Merchant Ivory hadn't kind of dipped its toe in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it was very good. I really liked it. I really, really. Yeah, liked it is. It. It's really. It is really good. I mean, I, I like it more the more I think about. It. I think the first time I watched it, uh, I liked it, and didn't love it. But the more I think about it, the more uh, I enjoyed it. It's perfect for what it is. I, I mm-hmm. think he's really nailed that thing. Now, I like Did to you see the uh, the great moment where he says they, they they read scripts and they say for one of the Chucks, one of the Chucks, so the Chuck Norris, two, Charles Bronson, the two paws, yeah, for the two Chucks. I love how a few of them did great Menachem Golan imitations. The one guy really did it really well with the longish hair. Yeah, it's like they would yeah. revel in doing a good Menachem impersonation. Yeah, yeah, they all love doing the Menachem man. It was great. It was it's a crazy story. I think as genre film fans, I mean, it's one of if not the best documentary I, I think it's his strongest documentary yet and i really liked his other two yeah i did too I, I liked them both as well but i think i like this one the most and i think it's just because i have such a soft spot for 80s canon fair and uh yeah absolutely and and they're they're kind of uh glee at yes. making movies the golems the, the golem and the globus they they just love movies you know and there's not enough of that in hollywood with producers anymore i mean i think the weinsteins were the last ones i really felt like even though love they can be movies. fuckers, they did seem to love movies too. Yeah. 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 I agree a hundred percent. Next up was one that I'd been, I stumbled onto it. I want to say late last year. I think it was in post production because I think we were looking at Rory Cochran is his name. No, no, Rory, not Rory Calhoun. Um, <laughs> geez, Louise. Uh, or, or not a whole lot of Rory's. We got to hit on no, one. Sooner no, no, fuck. Uh, or or not. Uh, <laughs> Not Robbie Neville. Um, <laughs> yeah, Rory Neville. 
Oh, <laughs> dude from uh, Mountain's brother from uh, the wolf, the hound from. Uh, oh, Roy! No, not Roy Calhoun. Fuck! I almost said Roy Calhoun. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, man. Let's move on because anyway, we're just Rory's making... in it. But yeah, we seen Rory, Rory in was in it. Michael Fassbender. <laughs> I was going to say Michael Dudikoff. Man, that'd be a different. That would be a different kind of western. That would be. Uh, oh, oh, I know what Fassbender, you're talking about. Fassbender, Cody Smith, McPhee, and uh, Ben Mendelsohn. Um, yeah. Slow West. Yeah. So I got to see that. I thought it was good. Uh, it feels to me like Jim Jarmish doing a Wes Anderson-inspired Western. Yeah. yeah, there are some moments that are pure European Western. They are. I mean? Yeah, they I are. Mean, there really are some moments where it's like, wow, this is definitely like almost like a throwback to the way Europeans see the American West. Yeah. A lot of one-on-one stuff, which I kind of appreciate. It feels like Dead Man in that way. Like, yeah, that uh, one-on-one moment between Mendelssohn and his fur coat. Man, I know. That's an amazing fur coat. <laughs> it is. I know. I remember listening to him talk about he kept that fur coat. I remember hearing him on Elvis uh, Mitchell say that he kept that coat, man. Yeah, you got to keep that coat. Yeah, you can't let that it's coat a go. Serious fucking coat. Um, but no, it's good. Uh, I think, yeah, it's, it's it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, next up, I did a mainland Chinese film uh, I really, really liked. Um, I think it would make for a great conversation someday. And I don't know if you're going to get to cram it, but if you do, I would recommend it. It's called A Fool. Mm. And it's about um, a struggling uh, lamb farming, a, f- a couple of farmers, they have a lot of lamb, uh, which there's something to be said for that as far as metaphor, I guess. But um, this quote unquote fool, this sort of uh, maybe mentally challenged guy uh, ends up following the husband home one day and mm. they can't get rid of him. Well, I shouldn't say they can't. The husband, despite his bluster... Uh, feels bad, and then the wife feels bad, so they end up feeding him a little bit, and then the fam- a family shows up and says there is family, and they go to take him back, and then another family shows up and says there is real family, and why'd you give him to their family? And you know, you wonder if the fool in the title is about the man or is it about the fool? Um, it's a bit, I guess, it's sort of like a mainland Chinese absurdist comedy, mm. which I quite liked it. I really liked it. I think it was very good. Nice. Yeah, very good. Um, the wife and I braved a snowstorm last week to see The Revenant. Oh, yeah. Apropos viewing for the snowstorm. It was. It was. Uh, probably the best shot film of the year, if nothing else. Um, I got to get this Yeah, off. I think this is Leo's year. I think this is the year he wins the Oscar. Well, I have to say, I, w- I would hope he does. I- I've seen, you know, looking at the, <laughs> the category, I really hope he does, but... Yeah, that, that frozen snot moment. I think Jeez. he's good. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. This there's so many moments in this film where you're gonna feel cold just watching it. It's like, how the fuck are you in that water right now? Yeah. I hate yeah. I hate I hate even turning the water. I hate even when you go to turn the shower down, like the dial down, and it gets cold for a second. I turn oh, it yeah. fast. I don't I want yeah. any part I don't yeah, want yeah. any part of a cold shower ever. No, no. Cold I ever tell you the first time I moved into the new house we lived in, we didn't have any heated water, so I had to take oh. a cold shower the first two days. Oh, I wouldn't. I'm sorry. Man. I would be gross for two days. <sighs> well, I was gross for the second day, but that first day I had to take one. I had no choice. I had moved. Yeah, so I was truly. sweaty. I was a mess. You know? in. Oh. So I had to, and that was uh, whew, that is not uh, a joyful experience. That's that's called um, that hokey pokey showering <laughs> technique when you put one foot in and one foot out. Yeah, one arm yeah, in, that, one that's arm called uh, that's called uh, Vienna sausage and small and small pinto beans is when you come out of there. Is what big that's called. time, man. <laughs> big time. Shrinkage. Jeez, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> uh, let me say this about the film. I think Leo's great in the film, and here's what I'll say about Leo. 
I've always said, and we've said on this show, I think he's a very good actor. I don't think he can't, he's a, he can't grow a beard for shit, but no, I do love he him. Can't. Yeah. I'd say he's a very good actor, not a great actor. Mm-hmm. I think Wolf of Wall Street. He's was a movie better. star. I mean, he's a, he's a good actor. He's a but well-intentioned he's also a movie, star, right? movie star. He's a well-intentioned because yeah. let's face it, he doesn't have to do this. He no. could make very cushy films. He could do the Tom Hanks thing. Make the oh, yeah, easy, he could do uh, the Nick films. Cage action movie thing. He could do he that. He could do whatever he wants. He is a list and a list and a list, but he doesn't. He works with great filmmakers. He challenges himself. He works his ass off, and he has a passion for his craft. So yeah, I he doesn't him. make. Uh, I don't think he's ever made a sequel, has he? I don't know that he's made a sequel, and I don't think he's made any shit films. Like as far as out of the gates look like shit. I don't think I've seen any films of his that I would consider shit. No. No, he's never made no. like a, ooh like a just a, an awful film. No. Um, he has a passion for what he does, but I think more is going to be said about what he endured in the making of this film. Than the performance. And I think you yeah. can't separate the two, which is why a lot of people and I would also want to give it to him. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons that it becomes um where does one end and one begin as far as what he endured for the performance and what the actual mm-hmm. performance is. Because I feel like uh and he's nominated for Best Supporting Actor, I feel like Tom Hardy puts in a better performance if I'm just looking at acting. And it, it's weird because when you see this, I'd be curious if you get this vibe. I keep me- meaning to mention this in the group. I really feel like Tom Hardy in this. Mm-hmm. is really channeling his inner uh, sort of shit heel Warren Oates. Oh, nice. I really feel like he's going for a Warren Oates thing with this film. Um, he's great in the film. I mean, see, this, yeah. th- that's a guy that to me that is a legit, like, great actor. Yeah. Yeah, no, he is. Uh, I mean, we've we've talked about him several times on the show, yeah. going all the way back to the first year, and he's uh, he's a real deal. Yeah, no, he is. He is. But kudos to Leo, too, man. Like I said, he's he, he could be coasting, and he never does, man. He grinds it out. He does things that he's passionate about. Um, yeah, I, he's I, always I, making interesting – I mean, he's always doing interesting things. And I, I do like that he's, you know, saddled himself with people with talent. Because like you said, you know, he could easily – you know, he could easily uh, get a franchise going and just ride that pony into the he, into the sunset. He could do a Matt Damon esque um, <laughs> Born series, or or not even Matt Damon. I'd, I'd say more like a Tom Cruise, like Mission Impossible type thing. He could he totally could. do that. He could, but let's just thankfully look. he doesn't. I mean, that's fine for Tom Cruise. That's who Tom Cruise is. I'm I'm comfortable with that because that's what I expect out of Tom Cruise. Of course. And like Nick Cage, I expect the same things. Even though he does surprise me occasionally, I expect the same things out of him all the time. But with Leo. I can't ever predict what he's going to do. Like I just never, I never can figure out what that guy's going to do next. But every time he gets a project announced, I'm always interested because he always, it seems like he's always trying to do something different. Well, let's just look. He worked with Ina Ritu, mm-hmm. works with Marty Scorsese. Yeah, I think he's getting ready to work with him again. Actually, works with Baz Luhrmann, who maybe you don't like him, but there's a certain yeah, he's an auteur. Yeah, I right. like him. Sometimes I like him. Sometimes I don't. Just kind of. He's definitely a divisive filmmaker, no doubt about that. Works with Tarantino, works with works with Eastwood, uh, works with. Uh, yeah, I really didn't like that Jay Edgar movie. He was. Good I didn't in it. see I didn't like it. Him. I didn't yeah. see it. But again, works not, with not the, uh, not the best Clint Eastwood piece. No, no, no. But works with a great filmmaker. Works with Christopher Nolan. Yeah, he doesn't work with bad filmmakers. I okay. mean, you. you <laughs> let's let's just keep back just a little bit further here. Sam Mendes, great underrated filmmaker. Yes. Uh, Blood Diamond, I was very mixed on, but Edward Edward Zwick is a you know kind of pop- populist filmmaker. Yeah, very very competent one though. Very good yeah, very filmmaker. competent. Okay, uh, we go back. Marty Scorsese, Marty Scorsese, Steven Spielberg, Marty Scorsese. Uh, but again, Steven Spielberg is the sort of populist filmmaker. And then before that, 
Danny Boyle. Um, yeah, Danny early, Boyle, that's right. His early stuff. Um, you know, like Basketball Diaries is a fantastic piece of film. What's Eating Gilbert Grape? This Boy's Life. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he's he's got 36 credits in 22, 23 years. So, I mean, he's not one of these guys. Oh, the only film I can think of that felt really anonymous, and you and I have joked about how anonymous it felt, but even then I could say that the director and the co-star and the writer even. Yeah, I know who you're, I know you're you know where I'm going with, with this. Yeah. Body of Lies, Ridley Scott's film. Yeah, that was kind of a disappointing. I saw that film. It was kind of a disappointing Ridley Scott film. I mean, it's it's perfectly fine, but it felt like Ridley Scott trying to do Tony Scott, and it just doesn't work. Man, listen to that cast though. I still haven't seen it. Leonardo DiCaprio, Russell Crowe, which we know, but Mark Strong. Yeah, it's, it's a Oscar it's, it's Isaac. A, yeah, it's a good. It's a well acted film. It's not a bad movie. Yeah. I think it'll do better. As time goes on, I think it may have just been. I think I was just tired of that material when that, I saw oh, it. So much, so much, big time. But yeah, give it up to Leo, man, and uh, Tom Hardy, of course. Um, then I watched one more. I watched it last night with the in-laws. They were over. Uh, I decided on a whim to pick up Michael Mann's Black Hat. No, I thought she was going to say behind the green door. I thought the in-laws hadn't seen it. Yeah, yet. I'm sure they have. <laughs> Marilyn Chambers, yeah, that's I'm sure right. They sure have. They have. <laughs> it's like my dad going. Marilyn Chambers never heard of her. I'm like, okay. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> sure, Dad. Well, my dad's a big fan of Behind the Green Door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember. Well, I know quite a few so. people of your dad's generation that are big fan yeah. of Behind the Green Door. It's a big moment, man. Big moment. Yeah, it's a pivotal. It's a pop culture movie. It's it's as important to that genre as uh, uh, Deep Throat or yeah. any of that stuff. Absolutely. Um, but Black Hat, uh, it's a good film. That's a surprising thing to hear. That movie looks so A to B to me. It's good. Uh, and because you said it's good, I'm going to check it out now. I'm not going to cram it, but I'm going to check no, it out. You should check it out. It's a good but film. But it, it did not appeal to me in any way. Now, I'm a bigger Michael Mann fan than you are, you but are. I had a hard time right from the right from the hop buying into Chris Hemsworth, Hemsworth the, uh, the hacker thing. I, I had a hard time with that right from the hop, but and, yeah. and some of the action scenes I saw looked good, but I thought, I don't know, something about it. You know, I just wasn't in the mood for it. But now that you've said you liked it, I think I'm going to check it out. The you're the only person that <laughs> I know. Well, actually, no I think, one's I think, seen it. It feels like. Yeah, I think Kelly saw it. Or well, I think Kelly, it. that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kelly sees everything, but I, I don't. Yeah. I'm not positive. Somebody else did. But Kelly, it seems like the a few people that have seen it have said they were surprised that. Uh, you know, because the movie didn't sell well. And that's what it, I should it, say. It yeah. didn't sell well to the public, I don't think. I don't think no. it did well either. No, and it, it's got a really surprisingly low 5.4 rating on um, on IMDb. I'll tell you this. Hemsworth feels like he's doing a really macho Brad Pitt in it, even down to his haircut. But <laughs> I, I li- see that. But I like Hemsworth. I think he's, yeah, he's yeah. good. I like him too. I really like Ovala Davis. You know, she's great in it. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, that's right. And then the, the Chinese-American, well, Chinese-slash-American or Chinese-American actors, Lee Hom Wang and Wei Tang are in it. Uh, they're both fantastic. Well, not fantastic. They're good. Um, but I think I liked it at Globetrots a little bit from China to Indonesia, um, you know, uh, Hong yeah. Kong. It, it just it feels it, – it's a good one. I liked it. Like I said, um, some of the stuff I don't like that – you know, man always feels the, the need to have a lovemaking scene, uh, you know, but – Whatever. It's, it's yeah. good, though. I was pleasantly surprised. Nice. I think even Kaye de Cinema, and it's one of the reasons I picked it up, I think Kaye de Cinema or someone had it in their top ten of the year. I'm like, fuck, okay, well, let me see then. Right? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I mean, I know it, it does have its fans. I mean, I, I have read some folks that have dug it quite a bit. Not uh, so much Facebook friends or things or social media, but mostly 
critics out there who did who oh, did think good. that it was a good film. So it is visually, it's still good. Man still shoots night as good or as or better than anyone. Kelly Bear yeah. is the mm-hmm. is yeah. to Blu-rays what Galactus is to planets. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> that's uh, that's about it, man. I got someone's uh, got to make a Photoshop a picture of Kelly's face inside Galactus's helmet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. I like it. Yeah. So that's it. We're going to take a short break and we're going to come back. What do you want to talk about first? Uh, I don't care. If you want to go, uh, we can do whatever you want to do first. Whatever you think. Uh, I'll let you pick this week. It's your show. You programmed it. We'll do what we going to do first. Why don't we do chronological? This way we can get on the motor, the motorbike together and uh, yeah, rip yeah, down yeah. the streets of it of uh, Naples, I guess. Yeah, we'll sexually harass everybody. Everyone. <laughs> All right, yeah. we're going to take a short break. <laughs> we're going to come right back. This is Red Brown. Gentlemen, You're listening to Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Bring me to Jakarta! All right, we're back. It's time to live like cops and die like men. Yes. Uh, this is a film that, as we'd said in the introduction, uh, we should say 88 films to put this Blu-ray out. Um, but this is a film that, oddly, we'd never covered. I thought we had. You thought we might have. Every fucking listener under the sun thought we had. Uh, because it just feels very much like a GGTMC film. Well, I think the, the confusion may have come from also that early in the show, you had mentioned you saw it. Mm-hmm. And we kind of talked about, you know the kind of homoeroticism of it and the kind of joking around about how we, you know, ride on the motorcycle together to, you know, right. all, the, all that stuff had always been there. And I think for months, if not years, we've kind of always kind of harkened back to the Lovelock Perel. That's right. Uh, combo romance. Yeah. The kind of bromance they have. Uh, and we've kind of always harkened back to it because it's, it's kind of silly in some ways. I mean, can't this guy get, can't this other guy get a motorcycle? I know. And it's, it, you know, Why would he we'll want talk to, about that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when you I mean no offense. I mean, I, I, I love you like a brother will, but I mean, if, if we were working together every day, I'd say, dude, I'm gonna get my own bike. I gotta get my own bike, yeah. <laughs> especially, yeah. especially in December. Yeah, well, maybe yeah, I'd want I just, you. To, maybe I'd want you to shield the wind, the cold winds of yeah. uh, Italy. I don't know, but yeah, you'd think you'd, you'd think get a car, man, get a fucking car. But yeah, something, something. You know, I just I don't know. It just seems kind of silly. But at the mo- but in the '76, you know, I mean, it, it's a it's a brave choice. It makes the movie stand out. Uh, and I'll no, talk about that because there's a couple definitely. of motorcycle films from the uh, Eurocrime era. Absolutely. And uh, we've are. covered two of them. Yeah. Right? Kidnap Syndicate and... Weapons uh, of Death. Doesn't Weapons of Death have a crazy motorbike scene? Or I, I think, think it does. And then, of course, we don't forget about uh, Stunt Squad as well, which well, we did. stunts, which I was going to mention. And the big one for me, the... the and I was going to mention this later, but I'll mention it now. The, the sort of crown jewel of motorcycle scenes in Eurocrime films is as Luke Miranda in Gambling City, which... I'd we love to cover at some point. Yeah, yeah, it might be we'll, we'll I, it might be my favorite of his film. Well, I like that That's one. That's a Sergio Martino that. joint. Yeah, up, it right? is Martino, man. It's really good. It's really good. But um, yeah. let's uh, let's get into this. So 1976, directed by Rogero Diodato. Oh, do you want to lead on this one? Do you want me to lead? What do you want to do? No, you can lead on this one. It's fine. I, I, well, I mean, either way, if, I'll let you pick. Again, you, you're going to be doing Roundhouse's nude next episode, the next uh, review. So I'll let you lead on the next one then. Okay, fine. That's fine. That's so. Let's not. Oddly, I got more notes on this one, but I almost have more to say about the next one. (laughs) (laughs) And less to wear. (laughs) Yeah, most of my notes on the next one are one sentence, but man, they carry a lot of observations. Yeah, and a lot of coin purse. Um, (laughs) 
Oh, man. Um, Fred and Tony are members of an elite special squad of police yeah. in Rome. They're in Rome, Italy, whom are licensed to kill undercover cops whom, th- whom thrive, whom thrive on living dangerously. Yeah. Boy, do they ever. They certainly do live dangerously, man. Uh, directed by Ruggiero Diodato, who we've often said we're huge fans of. We've covered... Man, Diodato's creeping up there. We've covered... Um, one, two, at least three or four of his films. Yeah. Maybe I mean, four, maybe more. Well, maybe more if you count. You did Washing Machine uh, this past. That's another one. That, I mean, you can count it toward the tally. I mean, that was a midnight ride, but still. Yeah, that's right. That, that was, was another Diodato. But yeah, I mean, there's still a few of them I'd like to talk about. Especially, we did The Barbarians. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was early. That was early on. Cut and Run, I think, is the big one that we haven't covered yet that I'd want to. Yeah. Yeah, there's another one that I'm trying to think of that's a big one, too, but I can't. Off the top of my head, I can't think of what it is. We've probably obviously the the biggest one, obviously, is Cannibal Holocaust, which I don't know if we'll get around to, but I imagine at some point, you know, this show stays around long enough. I imagine at some point we might do something like that. Well, if nothing else, Ruggiero Diodato, who I met actually had the pleasure of meeting once. uh, I've met him once. I met him once. Super nice guy. But I met him once. Yeah, he's nice guy. I was so disappointed. He didn't have any, and I should have known better, but I was hoping he would have some Raiders of Atlanta stuff to sign, but. He didn't. All he had was um, Cannibal Holocaust stuff to sign. Um, that's what he's known for, right? That's I mean, what he's known for, right? It's, arguably, you can say everything else you want to say about him. I think he's made better films. Well, And that's a really good let, film. Let me rephrase that. I think he's made more entertaining films. Yeah. I don't know if he's made a better film. No, that's a masterpiece. Yeah, than Cannibal Holocaust. But I think he's made films that, well, this is a good example, films that are very rewatchable and fun. Yeah, and he's, I think, a guy that, unfortunately for him, kind of gets... And he wasn't as prolific as some of his um, some of his, his contemporaries, peers, yeah. his peers. But I think he's a really good filmmaker that his reputation precedes him for better or worse. And he has one film that I would argue, like if we were gonna, if we could only put five films in the GGTMC vault, one of them is made by him, and for my money, and that's Raiders of Atlantis. Yeah, that's up there. That is, that is up <laughs> I there, mean, yeah. he's made for my money the greatest of post-apocalyptic ripoffs, and Italy is chock full of them. Yeah, he might have that might be the best Italian uh post apocalyptic ripoff, yeah. I'm okay. sitting here thinking I'm I'm running them all through my head. I mean, we haven't done them all. There's so many. Oh, there's but, so many great ones, but I mean, and I love the Castellari ones a lot. I mean, I love a lot of them, but yeah. I don't think anyone I mean, you know, Hands of Steel by Martino's up there too, but I will I'll be honest, in a photo finish, I'm taking this over Hands of Steel as much as I love Hands of Steel. Yeah, that's yeah, those are those are running neck and neck for a while though, aren't they? So yeah. Paco gets beat you know, it's uh Tony. <laughs> just, the name, uh, pa, just the name Paco, Paco. Kurak alone. Yeah. Uh, carries a lot of weight. I mean, cuz does. Only Martino or somebody crazier than him would have a, the guts to name their hero Paco Kurak. So. It, it's yeah, it's, an, it's I've said it before. It sounds like a Ferengi name to me <laughs> yeah yeah Very bizarre. That deep space nine moment <laughs> yeah um <laughs> but here's the thing about Ruggiero. he's made for my money the best uh post-apocalypse well, he, movie yeah he's made the best cannibal movie. he made the best cannibal film he made for my money the best of the home invasion films which we've covered on the show host of the edge of the oh that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Okay, so I've said I've said I'll take it over Night Chamber as much as I love it. I'll definitely take it over Last House on the Left and uh, Spin in Your Grave. All those kind of rape revenge films. I think House Nature Park is the best of them. Um, Live Like a Cop, Belly Command is, and I've often been vocal about saying it's not my favorite Eurocrime film, but I think it <laughs> encapsulates the genre and turns 
everything up so much that the genre is known for and notorious for. Yeah, that it's it, kind of late cycle, right? It's kind of it late is. cycle. 76 yeah. is when, you know, I mean, really from about, I want to say, this, I'd say that the genre had been going for about a decade now with Lizzani's stuff in the, the mid to late 60s, like Bandits in Milan and so forth. I want to say around 66, 68, but I think Day of the Owl was 68, but... At this point, the, decade, the the genre had been going for a while. Um, high crime was what seventy, seventy one, seventy two. So I mean, it, it had been going. Mm-hmm. So at this point, you you do start. What year was a uh, big racket? That was seventy three. So I want to say seventy three, seventy four. Yeah, I think so. I think it was. So Seems like something else was seventy six. Was almost human seventy six? I want to say almost human seventy six. Almost human is pretty far over the top too, though. It is. It, it absolutely is. But it doesn't. It, but it feels. It feels more mean than cartoonish. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the funny thing. That's one of the things I was talking about before we start recording this one. This one's, or maybe I talked about while we were recording. I can't remember, but this one has a weird sense of comedy and a weird sense of kind of meanness to it, a streak of mean to it. It feels that's, like it's kind of odd in ways. Yeah, it really does. Um, and it's, it's such a great title: "Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man." I don't really know what it means, but it is a box. <laughs> I know. I don't know what it means either. It seems to like me like it would make more sense if it was "Live Like a Man, Die Like a Cop." That uh, would make, but maybe you know what? Maybe in a rush to get it out. They... Well, you got to think too. There's a there's a plot part of the plot, and this is not a spoiler. But they're a special squad. But the reason why they're a special squad, Ray Lovelock and Mark Perel, is because they're essentially criminals. Who well, essentially they're they're guys who think like criminals, but happen to be cops. So they get away. It's one of these special squad squad units that the Italian crime films would make, and they would get away with. Well, with murder, essentially. They get away with everything. They, they operate above the law. Yeah, I mean, right from the beginning, right at the end of that first chase, you know what kind of cops these are. Because Mark Perel does something in particular that you're like, oh, okay, these guys, uh, they, they, don't, they don't live by the rules. And I wonder what your magnum force was. Because, yeah. you know, I think obviously magnum force had to, I think we made for 74, 75. Maybe I'm going to check what we're talking here. 73. So... The Italians were already doing the Dirty Harry stuff and the Death Wish stuff and everything else, but Magnum Forest, which is my favorite of the Dirty Harry films, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good one. Oh, it's so good. Uh, it it takes that and it. You it's know. crazy. We've never covered a Dirty Harry movie. I know, and you look at those films because I went back and watched uh, the first couple, and it's unbelievable how how influenced. Eurocrime films are. But. Yeah, like every other film we've covered is so influenced by oh Dirty gosh. Harry. And Death and, Wish. Uh, we have covered Death Wish, obviously, uh, yeah. but we haven't covered the Dirty Harry films. amazing. No, I know. But we'll get to it. We'll get we, to it. We will at some point, absolutely. Maybe for like a like a, a hundredth, you know, sort of a yeah, yeah, that'd 400 be or something. Yeah, we could do like the first three or something. You know, we did yeah. the first three Death Wishes. And we got to jump I'd like to go back and do four or five at one point. As would point, I. So. As would I, absolutely. But I don't want to get into uh, Tyne Daly and everything else um <laughs> time daily it's right but i want to get into it, but i don't want to get into her films but yeah reveal more about myself there than i'd like to uh admit <laughs> but uh, true to form um man's, like a, man's a cagney and a lacy yeah that's right um, right let's get into this movie let's get into this film lovelock and pharrell are kind of like betty and veronica they give you both but not not let's forget even betty and veronica they're starsky and hutch right yes which gives you that but they're the italian exploitation starsky and hutch they don't have the cool car. They have a Suzuki dirt bike, but they make up, make up for it in a lot of sleaze. And the film opens up in true sort of Eurocrime way where it kind of takes us around the streets of Rome. And it's surprising to me that so many of the films in the genre do that kind of travelogue look at the streets of Rome versus what Castellari did in maybe it's Big Racket when it opens up with like 
windows getting broken and kind of the criminal element doing their thing. But, um, and I, one thing I did never notice the first time I'd seen this was the Leo was one of the writers in this film. Yeah. 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 I, and you know what? I, I, I sense some of that as, as do I now when I watch it now, because there's a really great exchange, which I'll get to between the secretary and them that feels like DeLeo wrote it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. It's yep. really, really good. Um, and I want to say either Diodato or DeLeo near the beginning that shows a shot of a bank. It's one of them. It's either Diodato or DeLeo walks out of the bank. And you, uh, like, it could you be. Miss- yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't remember that, but it could be either or. Yeah, no, it, it, it's one of them. And, of course, then we get Baba Natale ringing his fucking Christmas bell. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. That's uh, yeah, good old Sandy Claus. And um, th- that, and you mentioned this early. This has one of the most... We always see, and I think this is what I, I was trying to think of why they put them on a bike together. Mm-hmm. And they reference them being criminals. But I have to think that they're really accentuating the fact that anytime we see a Eurocrime film, one of the sort of signature crimes that you see is the two dudes on the bike snatching purses. Yeah. yeah. So. I think it's that, and I think there's also a little inside joke, obviously. The homoeroticism. The homoeroticism of it, but yeah. they're. They're, they are these get these two guys are uncomfortably close. Yeah, they are. They might not they actually. Together they might not together. be. Yeah, there's no actual copulation, but there at one point in this film there might as well be because there's a <laughs> there's a one two, I mean one right after the other. So yeah, at that point right. you you start to think to yourself, okay, these guys are are really tight. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. So. Sure. You know, I mean, obviously, I think it's playing with that, too, because, I mean, I can understand, like, at the beginning, if you watch, if you watch this movie and you watch the beginning of it, you know, they're riding together, it's great. It's a great opening. It's got a great pop song. Oh, yeah. uh, Which we should say is written and sung by Lovelock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray Lovelock. You, I should say this now. When we started doing this show, I didn't love Ray Lovelock. You didn't love the lock. <laughs> yeah. But as time's gone on, the amount of films we've done of his, I've come to really appreciate Ray Lovelock. He's got more <laughs> range than I think we want to give him credit for. Yeah, at first I thought he, he was can a one-note guy, but he, but he he nowadays I almost look forward to covering a film. Yeah, absolutely, him. see him and die. <laughs> yeah, see him and die. Yeah, I've seen his films. Now I can die. That's right. No, he's good, and even he's really good in uh, La Settima Donna with um, was the Last House on the Beach with uh, him and Florinda Balkan, where that's yeah. Another, there's still some more good Ray Lovelock stuff to cover. Yeah, that's a fantastic uh, Last House or uh, Last House on the Left ripoff. It's really well, good. well. I think the first thing we did with Lovelock was uh, was it uh, that uh, that Walking Dead film? I can't remember the name of it. Oh, the um, uh, Living Dead of Manchester Morgue, or yeah, yeah, that was it. That was it. That one, yeah. And we we kind of talked about how he was kind of you know one note, and, and I bet if you go back and listen to that episode, I bet you'll hear you talk about live like a cop and die like a man in that episode. Yeah, but, yeah, you might very well. But remember, was talking about it, thing. You know, not, maybe not. I mean, maybe we're not the biggest fans of Lovelock, but as time's gone on, I mean, seriously, as time's gone on, I've started to really appreciate what Lovelock kind of brought. Absolutely, no, he's he's great. He's, he's a deceptively effective leading man, and I think you get that a lot with. Even Miranda was a guy that early on I didn't like, but I'd seen the wrong Miranda joints. I really became uh, a fan yeah. of Miranda once I'd seen some of his more intense stuff, and and I, I don't know enough about uh, Perel. I don't. I, I know I've seen him in a few things, but I don't really know enough about him uh, he's perfectly fine in this film but i don't he's, i haven't seen a whole lot of his stuff he's good in the film i've seen him in a couple of jolly um like he's in the psychic and don't torture a duckling i know when i looked him up he died pretty tragically i think he died of a heroin overdose Ooh. he's in the sister yeah. of ursula blazing flowers 
But I think he always kind of reminded me of the poor man's slightly prettier version of Luke Miranda, like not as rugged. He was like this softer yeah. featured version of him. And I think he's a Swiss actor. Yeah, he's Swiss. Hmm. Um, and he's a striking, yeah, he's got a striking face. And he, oh, he looks wow. Good. You know who he was married to? Uh, Barbara Magnolfi, who was the, um, if you, she was in Suspiria. She was like the, the really cunty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know he was he's married. About. Man, I wonder if they ever had a daughter. She would be a beauty for sure. Maybe, maybe. But um, anyway, but he's he's great in the film, and I've always liked him and everything I've seen him in. But now, whenever like when I, I have to be honest, when I was watching this, um, I felt kind of bad watching it because not bad. I felt sort of a sense of melancholy knowing that he died tragically. Like he was he was thirty. He was younger than us, man. He's thirty four years old. Yeah, it's crazy. It's really sad. Um, but anyway, not to be Debbie Downer through the episode. Um, yeah, drugs are a bad thing. Drugs are a horrible thing. Um, but then, yeah, we get that moment when the woman gets her purse grabbed, and she she made you know here's a pro tip for the purse purse <laughs> the purse wearing <laughs> crowd: don't use a link chain handle or a strap for your purse. Yeah, yeah. And homegirl gets dragged. That's yeah, a she brutal does. sequence. That is uh, ending with a, a a lamppost stopping things, which is they don't graphically show up. But as I told you, it's uh, the the Im- the impact of it oh, still hits God. you. And if it was it's just so brutal, if it was a Hanna Barbera car- cartoon, like a coconut would have dropped down and bonked her afterwards. Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised with Diodato that you didn't get the full on moment. Like one thing about Diodato, you can't say is he. He's never been afraid of you know brutality when it comes to film. I mean, obviously, he made one of the most, arguably one of the most brutal films mm-hmm. of all time. And then you talk about House on the Edge of the Park, which isn't exactly a walk in the park, no, no it's pun intended. Not. So he's not afraid to, not. to show humanity's dark side. So it's kind of interesting that he uh, decided to cut away. But it's still effective. It works very well. It is. It's a nasty sequence. But again, I think it's that thing we talked about turned up to 11, right? Um, yep. And we get that opportunistic dirt bike for Lovelock in that sequence. Yeah. <laughs> this happens. And you know what's crazy? You look at this. One of the things you can count on, you can count on transvestites being huddled around an oil drum with fire under in an underpass. Yes. Every time I see that, and no, this is no, this is no saying, this is nothing towards you. I immediately think of you every time of I course, see. Of course, man. You can count on a blind dude's seeing eye dog getting killed or or killing him. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. It's, can, it's obviously there's a cut there, but if you are yeah. sensitive to uh, that type of thing, I think it's ridiculous. I don't think it'll bother you because I think it's ridiculous, and it's actually kind of played for a like a really tasteless joke. But yeah, and, and there's some really weird tasteless jokes in this movie. I mean, this movie is very misogynistic some, <laughs> at times. Yeah, it has almost like a Michael Bay esque type Tony of idea Death. of what's funny. Yeah. <laughs> But the other thing you can count on is great car chases and in this bike chases. There is an insane – ooh, did you just hit a lamppost, man? Sounded like Sammy went splat. Sammy there, bye. Well, Sammy didn't yeah. happen. Did you hit the lamppost? <laughs> Me? Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, podcasting right along there, man, and yeah. then, you know, boom. That's right. But um, – the crazy thing about the the chase, which is a very impressive chase, they go up and down staircases, all sorts yeah, of it's, it. It's great. It's is great. no fucking helmets. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's really good. I think that uh, I, I wrote one of my notes is you know this film, Stunt Squad, Kidnap Syndicate. What's my favorite motorcycle Eurocrime film? Oh, this Kidnap one, Syndicate has a good one. 
Yeah, I think this might be near my top. This might be near the top, though. That opening chase alone is really good. It's really good, and it pays off really good too. It does pay off fantastically, fantastic. And I'll tell you, it's funny when you see Lovelock on the bike because they did clearly shoot it in December because they shot it with no permits. They would mm-hmm. just shoot quick. You can see some of the reaction shots from the public are like, well, what, what's going on? Yeah, like, what the um, hell is going on? What's going on? Ray Lovelock's supposed to be singing me a song, not riding his bike down the and sidewalk. he looks, at times, Lovelock looks so annoyed, and he looks like he's muttering under his breath because he looks cold <laughs> on that bike. It's December. <laughs> he's ripping around a bike. Yeah, I bet he is cold. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how cold it gets in Italy, but uh, it gets down you see to breath, like, so that's cold enough. That's cold enough to not be riding a motorbike in, like, your corduroy jacket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> put on a shearling, man. Yeah. Jeez. Um, uh, one of the things I've noticed too is we've often talked about, more specifically with Jali, but because the end of the rampant, and this this turns up the hairy macho bullshit to eleven, which is you know what we love. Um, but kind of the rampant sexism, and oh yeah, this thing is it's so full so, of it. <laughs> so sexist. It's cartoonishly yeah. sexist. It is. It's you can't take it seriously no, as, it's a, so as a document of the times because it's even for the time it's so over the top. Yeah, it's 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 buffoonish. <laughs> it's it so over the top. It totally is. But I I, I'm, I was trying to theorize this, and along with my theory of you put them on the dirt bikes so they look like the criminals is Italy is known as a culture of beauty and appreciation of fine arts and culture and beautiful things. So I almost wonder if brutalizing beautiful women is that much more shocking and tragic in a culture that embraces beauty in its art and uh, as sort of its culture, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's part of it, but um, what wasn't beautiful is, uh, well, at least from Mark Perel's perspective is there's a couple of times he almost spills that bike during the chase. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he gets the hang of it, thankfully, but it would have been, would have been a bad scene because as we've seen in Mike Malloy's great Eurocrime documentary, and we should say, let's give a shout out to our friend Mike who made the definitive uh, guide to the genre with his Eurocrime documentary. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So check it out. Um, is that when you were an actor, you did your own stunts. Yes. You can tell it's Perel, it's Lovelock. When Lovelock drives over the cars on the dirt bike to get off like a traffic jam, it's just crazy. <laughs> it is. Crazy. It is some of the stuff they do, man. Uh, it might not look like much, like compared to like a Jackie Chan or uh, even a Luke Miranda and some of the stuff he ended up doing. It's, it's um, intense, though, man. But it's still uh, well, it's still something I wouldn't want to do. I would not ever do it, ever, ever. It's crazy. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't legally do it nowadays. You could no. not. You couldn't get away with it nowadays. You couldn't. Your film, your film would get shut down. Mm-hmm. And after the fact, you would be sued by someone, you know, endangering the lives of your actors or stuff. Yeah. Um, which oddly Diodato was basically arrested accused for. of murdering his, um, <laughs> yeah. his actors yeah. in Cannibal Holocaust. And a weird, weird kind of twist of fate. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, he may have put these guys in more danger than, than he the did people his, in Cannibal Holocaust. The film played so much differently. It's so, yeah. so bizarre, isn't it? That is very ironic. He, the special squad in this have an unbelievably hot secretary. Oh my God! There's two women in this that are just, just knockouts, and one of them is the secretary. Yeah, she's 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 gorgeous. She's just a knockout, and they're start they come into the office. Matter of fact, I'd say most of the women in this film are exceptional. And the, yeah, and and this is a Sammy moment, including the housekeepers. 
I'll tell are, you, what, uh, and including the heroin addict's wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, uh, <laughs> most of the women in the film. The uh, the sister of the heavy, she is, oof. Man, she's man. dynamite. She's stacked. I know, she is. sound piggish, but. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that Diodato knew what he was doing. I think this is a film that, you know, it's 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 titillation. It's it's he he's really kind of going for all the genre elements, and he's taking it like that next level up. He is taking the next level up, and that's why. I don't, how many Eurocrime films did he make? Maybe um, just the only couple, one. Uh, I have to look. Maybe a couple. Let me see. But it feels like to me like he was out to prove something with this one. Yeah. And again, it's late cycle, so at this point, you know, you've seen a lot of this stuff, so he's going to take it that much further. That's right. Let me take a look. Um, Waves of that last... No, I think that was it. Yeah, I don't remember him dabbling in this genre much, so there may be another, maybe somewhere, but I think this is the the one that I can recall, mostly. Yeah. Seems like he kept most of his stuff in the horror field. I mean, it seems like... he, Like you said, he's not as prolific as his peers. No, no, no. I think he only directed like I think he's only directed like thirty or forty films. Maybe he's got thirty four credits, but there's yeah. six, fourteen, sixteen. A lot. There's a lot of TV in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, I mean, Cannibal Holocaust both made him and broke him in a lot of ways. Yeah. So it was one of those type of films, and that you know, obviously got him in a lot of trouble, and uh, he paid for it. He, I don't think he really got the kind of money or the kind of exposure he wanted after that. So no, no it's very true. Um, but the eighties sec- were not as kind to Mr. Diodato. Well, he started it off good because he did yeah. uh, Holocaust and 80 also had house of the park, Raiders of Atlantis, cut and run. Bought, yeah. I know. mean, those are all fun. It just seems like, uh, after that, they really kind of, well, I mean, I'm not going to say, I mean, cause I know there's, I mean, I think he did a, a version of Dorian Gray with, uh, Michael York and Donald Pleasance that oh, I talked oh, about yeah. a long time ago. That was pretty good too. It wasn't bad anyway. I mean, I it wasn't, it. wasn't great. That's the one with Donald Pleasance running the street going, you bastard. Oh, yes. <laughs> I've always meant to moment. see this. I think I have it. It's called Mom, I Can Do It. It's got Christopher Masterson in it. <laughs> sounds like uh, sounds like another one of your one of your mom, daddy, and daughter films. Porn films. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Um, that one really sounds like uh, Mom, I can do it. <laughs> that taboo subject. Totally does. <laughs> But this secretary is dynamite, and I love when they get in the office. There's, they might as well just put their dicks out and put them on her desk. Yeah, and and, and she gives it back. I but, like that too. And that's but, what I love is that Diodato, as much as as much as they give it, she gives it back to them. And I, that's why I think this scene was done by DeLeo because DeLeo used to always have these exchanges to kind of get his stuff mm-hmm. across, like yeah, the yeah. disparity between northern and southern Italy and the working conditions and so forth. But this feels like the battle of the sexes stuff where yeah. they come in and, and they go, she goes, who gets it? Yeah. They go to her, who gets it? And they go, I mean, who gets to screw you? And then she, with yeah. the goes, both of you. <laughs> yeah. No, no, she, Which I don't even know why these guys are balking at that. Because 20 minutes later, yeah, you know, like uh, we were joking around on the Facebook thing. You know, they, they uh, I think Matt said that inappropriate workplace banner. And I'm like, that random rape about town. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like crazy. 20 minutes later, they're basically forcing themselves on a ditzy, a blonde sister of a heavy. Yeah, and I hate to sound crass, but and I hate to sound piggish, but she wanted it. It just—it's that '70s thing, much like. Uh, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll get—I'll get to that though. But and she calls them coxmen, and she gives them this great little um, line about. She has a great little monologue about um, playing up their masculine conceit, and you know they—you they, know men take women out for a you know a ten course meal, and they only have an appetizer, and then they're done, and. You know, so that she's very much handles herself well. But yeah. um, 
yeah, the squad films. There's so many squad films. There's emergency squad, stunt squad. This time I had Cold 38 special squad. Yeah, we've only this. ever done uh, stunt squad, I think. I think we haven't done any of the other squad films. But yeah. we've done a lot of films where special squads are mentioned. Yeah, exactly. Um, we haven't even mentioned Adolfo Chili in this. And he's fun. Um, he has a bit of class and I think about, about a bit of uh, international prestige. He's the, the their, their captain. And what's great about yeah, him is they're further um, on the James film. James Bond heavy, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, he was in Danger Diabolic, right? Yeah, yeah that's was. right. What's great about him in this is the more of the f- – I love that his IMDb photo is him in an eye patch. Yeah, that's his uh, James Bond. I think it uh, – was he Blofeld? I, I can't I remember what he was. I think he was Blofeld, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. I'm not – I know you're not a big James Bond fan, but I'm not the world's largest. Like I can't name you the heavies and their names. No. I can name you Christopher <laughs> Lee's one because I remember that one, Scaramanga. Oh, Scaramanga. Or Scaramanga or however you say his name. But anyway, uh, I can't remember. But I remember him vividly from a James Bond film. I just can't remember which one. Um, Emilio Largo. Sorry, Emilio Largo. Oh, okay. But uh, which James Bond film was he in? Thunderball. Oh, there we go. That is that is a that is a fan favorite, I think. So yeah, maybe I don't know. I I, I can't I couldn't tell you. I'm not the world's biggest James Bond fan. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He did a uh, Louis Bonnel film too, The Phantom of Liberty. Yeah, he popped up in a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah. he, he he. One thing about him, he he always looks the same. So you remember him quite vividly every time you see him because he always kind of dresses the same. He's got the white hair. Oh yeah. He, occasionally he might have an eye patch. He usually has a cigar or a cigarette. He's been on our show a few times. Yeah, yeah, he's been on a few times. He was a, uh, he's always looked exactly the same as he does in this. Oh yeah, La I don't remember the heavy. The guy that plays the heavy in this, I don't remember him from anything. But I feel like I've seen him somewhere, but I can't. Yeah. I can't recall off the top of my head. What's his name? Uh, I don't have my BB. my IMDb cheat sheet in front of me. Otto Salvatore Pasquini. Yeah, he was in. You know what? He did a lot of actually. He was a nice pull. Uh, I he looked familiar, but I couldn't quite place where either. He was more of a prestige actor. Uh, Renato oh. Salvatore, Rocco and his brothers, um, Big Deal on Madonna Street, The Organizer, State of Siege. So he's worked with uh, Mastroianni. Uh, oh, okay. He worked with Costas Gavras in State of Siege. So he was one of these guys I think that more, you know, they just happened to land him. You know, yeah, land him, got a good paycheck out of yeah. it probably. Yeah, he's good because the- they always tried to hire a pretty pretty heavy actor to play the heavies yeah right that's that was that was one of the things about your crime like you know they get the american actors they put them in a you know jack palance and people like that you want to put henry silva obviously you know that, that's a big deal so not a big deal to americans sadly but a big deal to the europeans oh no definitely um what else do we got here yeah just some of the the banter is funny um and i like how too when they're talking to uh, the secretary when they start saying, oh, we don't want you anyway, or we don't want it. And she says, oh, that sounds like what the fox says when he can't reach the grapes. He calls them sour. <laughs> yeah, yeah that was a great moment. One of the things that distinguishes this film for me from a lot of other Eurocrime films is, um, and I was quite surprised when they did it, um, that there's a lot of high-end cars that get destroyed in this. A lot of times the cars are kind of cheap, you know, domestic cars, Italian cars. But uh, they, I mean, they fuck up like some Rolls Royces and some Porsches and a lot of cars. And they actually get a credit in at the end of the film that says a special thank you to so-and-so fine cars. Because yeah. there's, a, there's a great sequence where they go around lighting up the cars here. And you do get the sense that these are like two, you know, 20-somethings that if they weren't cops, they'd be just shit heel criminals 
just doing yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, they even said at one point, you know, that these guys, you know, you're, I think that their captain even says, you know, you guys are essentially criminals. And he lets yeah. you, you know, they let them get away with stuff because they get the job done. No, it's true. It's basically like a vigilante. Their special squad in this is basically like a vigilante force, right? Franco Citti in this plays Rudy. I can't remember Rudy, but he was um, Al Pacino's bodyguard when he went back home to Italy in Godfather. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I know who that is. Yeah, I remember that guy. There's yeah. a guy who I'm trying to look up. I always like seeing his face in Eurocrime films. He always reminds me of the balding version of Javier Bardem, like the balding Italian version of Javier Bardem. I'm going to find his name. Anyway, um, yeah, it's just the glee they have in destroying the cars, but yeah, cops on the edge. And, um, and their, their, their apartment's such like a bachelor kind of guy apartment. There's like nude women and dartboards and boxing gloves. And, and then I love how they're just harassing the, uh, the maid. Oh, how's your pretty niece? The one who filled in when you were sick. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, and I wonder too, if this is Diodato ramping everything up and just commentary on the whole world being kind of a violent jungle, no matter what side of the law you're on, that it's just, you know, kind of gross and violent everywhere. Um, and the only way to survive is be more gross and more violent. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Someone gets threatened to get a bullet up the ass, which is not surprising. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's a strange sense of humor, man. I think that's the guy. Is it the guy that's uh, reading the book? It might have been, yeah. There's like this almost like effeminate character reading the book. It's like almost a tasteless moment. Oh, yes, ah, yes, Oh, yes. guys, I'm just trying to read my book. Yeah, that's right. It's very um, bizarre. <laughs> no, that's right. I They're really note. picking on this guy because he likes to read. I mean, oh. it's a basic. Yes, yes. You're not cool. That's right. <laughs> I love the subtle acting from the, the one robber or the the hostage taker when he drinks. Oh yeah, bottle. oh yeah, uh, yeah. I can't remember that guy's name. Uh, that guy's so subtle. Oh, it, the, yeah, that is a that's a great scene. That whole hostage situation. I like how they call him in and they set up their you know their plan and all that stuff. And the hostage guys are so they're so <laughs> the, the 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 wife is. I mean, I don't mean to laugh because obviously she's a woman in peril, but she's like way over the top. They're way oh, over the top. Sense. He's wondering where she has the whiskey, and he turns around. It's right there. I'm sitting there thinking, dude, why do you even ask? Because it's right behind you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we did get J&B at 29 minutes. We should say that. We also get it much later in the film, too. Yeah. Yeah, 29 minutes, I noticed a, a J&B mark. So. Yeah, no, there is. Um, where do we say? Oh, and a couple dudes get the, uh, the Garvin stomp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The dude gets the Garvin stomp, and there's a really brutal thumb to the eye. Oh, that's an awful moment, yeah. That is an awful moment. And how about the opposite of awful moments? The sister of the heavy in the lingerie. I mean, she's just... I know. Oh, man. I know. I know. I was like, oh, this is... You know, I've seen a lot of scenes Buxom. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm a male. A red, red hot-blooded, red-blooded, whatever you would call a male. I see a lot of that stuff. But she was... Man, she was Man. doing something to me. She was stirring the pot. Let's put it that way. She was something else. Yeah, the blood was the blood was flowing. Let me tell yeah, you. Let me put totally, it that way. Totally <laughs> was. Um, what's her name? Uh, what's her name? What's her name? What do I got here? Oh, Perel's got ascots for days. Oh yeah, he rocks them. He does. Also, I was curious about what Diodato told Adolfo Chile. There's a moment when he's writing. Um, 
a note or he's writing a note about the Rico gang. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if Giodato asked him to write it with his wrong hand after he sat on it and put it to sleep because <laughs> he wrote that note so messy. It's like he said, sit on, sit on your left hand for about a minute and a half and then try to write a note with it. Yeah. It's just yeah. so messy. Um, and Adolfo Celli fucking loves draft beer. If he can't have draft beer, man, he doesn't want lunch. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, he's all about it with his ham sandwiches. Um, I, I love that moment. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I wish I, could, I wish I had that much power in my job, you know? Yeah. And, and I could just say, hey, I want a ham sandwich and a beer. What? No beer? I don't, I no don't da- want your sandwich. No draft beer, no dice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love, you know, in the 70s, you know, you could drink a glass of beer for lunch, you know, yeah. it wasn't frowned upon like it no, is nowadays. Know. It's you know? different times. Um, and all the Italian films, and I always love seeing the cafes, like the little espresso bars and stuff, because they always look really beautiful. And we weren't actually, a, 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 a like, next time you come, I'm going to bring you to this place, man. We went to this amazing Italian bakery slash cafe. It's got super high ceilings, stone walls. Like 1960s espresso machines. They look, they look almost like something out of like Wizard of Oz that he was making, like some contraptions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All kind of just anyway. But I love the uh, the cafes they see in this that yeah. we see in this. They're great. And they're, I've never seen a sugar trough. There's like that trough when they're having their espresso. <laughs> I know. I thought about that too. I was like, wow. <laughs> I've never seen one of those before in all the films we've seen. Um, a lot of sugar. A lot of sugar. Um, it's always awesome to see tough guys drinking out of small cups, tiny little glasses. Well, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, buddy, that's espresso, that's rocket fuel, man. I know, I know. I remember I had I had two with your father in law. Yeah, me <laughs> and I both had two. You're ready to chop some wood like Paco Querac, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're good to go. <laughs> well, I was running on fumes up there when I went up there to Tiff. I was running on fumes oh, a couple yeah. of those days, so those two espressos helped. Rocket fuel. Um, how about we get to see the old gun in the newspaper trick? Yeah. With, with yeah. Lovelock. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's that, great. That, that classic moment. <laughs> classic. And I love how um, the, the sisters, I guess the mother, the, like the old hen in the apartment, when they, they, they first try to come in, she goes, oh, look at that, a pair of alley cats with the faces of common criminals. <laughs> it's uh, it's great. Alina was the, the sister's name. And, yeah, uh, she's something else. She's something else. And I'd put, I knew Alina once. I loved Alina once. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I Google searched that Lena. She was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Something else. Yeah. Um, and Lovelock got a bad deal on that search because he gets to watch Nonno wash pasta. Well, the, well, Perel's just in it to win it. Yeah. Yeah. He gets the, not to sound crass, but he gets the sloppy second, right? So <laughs> yeah. 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 He gets the bad deal. But then, again, that's one of those moments where it's like, these guys are unusually tight. I mean, because I mean, Maybe I can understand that type of thinking in like frat boy, like comedies. Yeah, yeah. But you know, working cop guys, you know, I mean, it just seems kind of a, ugh, I don't know. Right? Oh, Again, it was the seventies and people different thought different. Time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we get to see a very sort of Chuck Jones esque frying pan to the face. Yeah. <laughs> which is awesome. Nice sound effect and everything. Oh yeah, it's great. My mom came in at the part when. They had the two dudes hung up in the riverboat. Oh, okay. And she goes, oh, she goes, this looks familiar. I think I've seen it. I'm like, no, you've definitely not seen this. <laughs> and uh, then Lovelock <laughs> gives them the Christmas handshake. Yeah. I actually like that scene, though. Like, it has them hanging the shot of their feet kind of floating above and with them kind of hanging. 
Mm-hmm. It was good. Man. It was good. Um, the I want to say the Blu-ray itself looks mediocre. Um, I'm happy to have it on Blu-ray, but there's no special features that. It's nice to get it on blue though, but Raro put out a DVD of it some time ago that that looks perfectly fine. But you know, good on the eighty eight for free. Yeah, so. I mean, it, it's weird. It's where some of these ones they they really kind of that Blu Ray really kind of makes them pop. This one, you could probably and I'll say this honestly, I watched half of this on Blu Ray and half of this on YouTube. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the you the the print that's on YouTube is perfectly, perfectly serviceable. serviceable. No, absolutely. Yeah. With a good internet connection, it's perfectly serviceable. Oh yeah. Um, Perel likes to rock the green chucks, which is cool. Yes, I always think of you when I see somebody in the yeah. chucks. I got a pair of chucks that I wear sometimes, but uh, you know, I don't like the. I, I have to have like a certain kind of support because I have some bad yes. arches in my feet. So uh, yeah, we can't get if down you with wear the chucks them. If every you got day. bad arches and you wear them too long, uh, you you you're reminded why you don't wear chucks all the time. That's right, man. That's absolutely true. And I love one of the things I love about this film is it does a few things differently. The riverboat. We get the dog racing scene with kind of that whole uh, environment and the seedy buildings. and We arguably get – and I'm not going to have a whole lot of notes because you're going over pretty much everything I say, I would say anyway. We arguably get the greatest shootout uh, – not the greatest shootout, but the greatest target practicing scene maybe in the history of cinema. Yeah, this is a pretty vigorous target practice. Yeah, I mean it's insanely – not only is it insanely accurate, but it's insanely like – Overdone. Boisterous. It's overdone. It's boisterous. It feels like two seven-year-olds playing like cowboys yeah. and Indians. Yeah, it almost feels like 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 birds in a mating ritual or something. It's very strange. Uh, no, it is very strange. And it's it, it is easily. I mean, come on. It's we've seen a lot of these type of movies. It is easily one of the most accurate. I mean, these guys. I don't even know why they do anything up close because they could shoot anything from any distance. They don't miss a can. Well, a lot gets made of tequila in the John Woo films, but uh, let's give credit where it's due to the Italians. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd say efficiency. Mark Perel and Ray Lovelock may be They're up there at the at the height, man. Because I, you know, Chow Yun, Chow Yun Fat. I mean, I love him, but he's not an efficient guy. I mean, he he goes through a he lot. Fires of a lot of rounds. rounds. Yeah, he does. Um, on a serious note. One of the benefits, one of the strong benefits, and again, this is talked about in the Malloy doc, Mark, Mike Malloy documentary, the dubbing of these films is always great. Um, you get, you know, a stable of maybe eight or nine or ten actors. So the voices over time you end up hearing, you know, but they're always very well dubbed. Mm-hmm. Very dubbed. It's well dubbed in this. And you know what looked good? This is kind of a small throw, but the one guy that got his eye gouged out, when he took off his eye patch, the eye looked pretty good. It did. It did. It looked pretty good. Um, a Diodato type moment. It is a total Diodato moment. Uh, I love this. is such a ridiculous kind of Italian moment when we get this blonde. They're on this like junky ship, which they clearly had access to. And yeah. this blonde comes out topless. <laughs> and this guy who, who has a great look, Enzo Polcrano is his name. Uh, he says, my God, don't you Swedes know it's winter? And she goes, winter, yeah. But sun is hot. She <laughs> takes her shirt off and starts tanning. And then she drops. She's topless. And she pulls with a bottle of J&B. It's almost like, it's almost like you know, that's that's like a, a type of, like the Swedes are somebody you can't offend. <laughs> yeah, you just, you know, you, you do the goofy kind of Swede thing, right? Yeah. Um, but like, over- I don't know. I don't. You never really hear the Norwegians, really never very, very many of the Scandinavian countries themselves, they never really get offended by the kind of comedic, even the uh, Swedish chef is a total, total fucking oh my gosh. ridiculous thing. Yeah, and I've never heard like a like a American Norwegian group or anything complain about the Dorothy Bergy Bergy Bergy. Yeah, it's true. 
It's true. So, you know, bravo to the Scandinavians who, you know, don't take offense to anything. They're a chill group. Scandinavians are great people, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, fuck it, man. It's cold here. Fuck it. They got good. They live well, man. They live well. Every year when you see, like, the top places to live, it's like Norway, Denmark, Sweden. Yeah. Um, I'm a metal guy, man. I wouldn't mind living there. I'd I'd move my family there if I could, probably. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um I did want to give it up to Renato Salvatore that we talked about him briefly. You know who he has always reminded me of is the Italian slightly more handsome version of Charles Cyphers. Chuck Cyphers. Okay, I could see that. I don't know what it is. Bit of a beefier Chuck, I think, dude. That, I think Chuck's a kind of a handsome rugged guy. Yeah, kind of a beefier kind of you know, and a classic kind of. Uh, yeah, not not Hollywood no. like handsome, but no, like kind of you know tough. Uncle kind of handsome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't even know what the hell that means, but anyway. <laughs> Back to that <laughs> so, taboo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that have handsome you seen tough? Uncle? Have you seen tough Uncle Six? Yeah, have you seen <laughs> handsome Uncle Four? <laughs> Sadly, there's probably something out there titled oh, man. that. Man, <laughs> I've seen some ridiculous porn tales when I've searched for when I've searched for film names that have just, oh, I've yeah. wanted to post them because the titles are so ridiculous. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, look how loose yeah, my asshole is and just <laughs> yeah, stupid titles, man. Well, I had to take, I had to, you know, when you get like certain cable services, I have direct TV for, uh, for those in America. And I had to put, uh, my son can read now. So, I mean, he could always read pretty well, but now he can really read. Oh okay. yeah. You got to watch it. So I had to take the, the parental control. I had to, cause you know, you got adult channels on there. And, you know, you're skimming through. It's like, hey, HBO, hey, Lassie, hey, uh, Airbud 6, hey, you know, <laughs> a title similar to what you just said. Yeah. Like, oh, we need to get that off of there because I don't need him saying those things. That's right. Yeah, there's times <laughs> yeah. where, yeah. Because there's this, you know, sometimes you read them and even, you know, even me, somebody and you, uh, you know, somebody, somebody who's very aware of that material as a grown man, even I stop sometimes and I'm like, holy shit, what? I can't believe they called it that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> let me rent that now. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> like, that it's... is so offensive, rent. Yeah, there's so <laughs> – I, I wish I, I you know, could I could, uh, I could drum some of them up right now because there's some that are just – yeah. It's, it's some, a lot of them are like David Ducato films too, I think. But Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, um, he's made a lot of movies. He's made a lot of films. How about um, Adolfo Celli on the Dennis Eckersley tip in this one? Yeah, <laughs> with the save. Yeah, that's right. And what's great too is that Diodato harkens back to the miniatures work in Raiders of Atlantis. With <laughs> it really does. <laughs> yeah, it really, really does. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's uh, one of those classic Italian convincing miniature shots. <laughs> oh man, I just found a. I gotta. Sh- I gotta send you this. This. Oh my god, you gotta see. You gotta see oh, this. Hope it isn't uh, Tough Uncle Six or whatever. It's 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 a poster for a porn version of Casablanca called Asablanca, and the poster has like a bear woman's ass in the air, and it looks like Humphrey Bogart sniffing it. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> well, I mean, what else would you do? Asablanca. <laughs> nice, uh, nice. Anyway, so those are all my notes. All right, I don't really have it. Like I said, I don't really have anything to add. I mean, I knew. You were as big a fan as I was of this. I'd, I'd just be curious what your score is compared to mine. I don't know if you'll like it more than me or I'll like it you know, less or whatever. I don't know. But I like everything about this movie. I think it's a, like one of the more entertaining Eurocrime films. Yeah, that's a fair statement. I mean, I don't think it's one of the best. 
if that's if that's something to say, you know. Yeah, but I think this is like one like you know if you want to turn somebody onto the genre, this is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like a, a, a you know a stepping stone, you know, a, a yes. first taste. I mean, obviously, I'd like to show people other stuff, but I mean, this and you know, like the big racket and a few others. I mean, those, those are, great are really intro good pieces. Street, yeah, mob. great intro ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are really great intro pieces, and not like as deep a cut as I think. I think Weapons of Death's a pretty deep cut. Or mm-hmm. I Am Scared, Io Paura, stuff like that's a little more. Mm-hmm. Or Meet Him and Die, even. I mean, that's that's you're starting to get into like deeper territory. Italian Connection is a good, or Manhunt's a good intro. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's a better intro one than uh, the one I like more, which is Milano Cabral Nine. Uh, yes, because that one is very dense, and I don't think everybody would love it. Like, you know, if that was the first thing you showed them, they'd probably be like, "Well, this is maybe you know too much." Whereas yeah. the uh, Manhunt film is much more action packed and fun with the Adorf performance, and you know, just kind of you know the the yellow bathrobe. We don't need we say more. You know, that's amazing. <laughs> so, How about Jamie Gillis and Ginger Lynn in on Golden Blonde? <laughs> yeah yeah i really miss uh going to the uh, video store and going into the adult section and seeing the titles i mean we stay ridiculous. we get such a cackle out of that stuff ridiculous until it turned to like a freak show and i started seeing stuff that i didn't want to see in there <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway uh, i don't really yeah i don't really have a whole lot more to add man i think this one's got really good action pieces like i said i think it's it's got a it's got a streak of mean in it that i it think does. the adato brings to it thankfully and, it's uh, cartoonish though because it we used to yeah. something like DeLeo's to be 20, which starts out as a sex comedy and has one of the most brutal kind of like sharp 90 degree turns in cinema history. Yeah. I mean, it really does. I mean, that one, that one comes out of nowhere. <laughs> it's oh like, gosh. wow, what happened? <laughs> Did yeah. you get mad? What happened? But yeah. Diodato is an interesting guy because like you said, you met him, I've met him. He's a gentle, nice person, very Lovely. nice man. Yeah. And uh, yet he has this, I don't know, when it comes to his work, he has this kind of, you know, this sort of, streak of mean to his work that uh you know it, it's it's, it's kind of ugly and uh, but it works oh yeah it works for the stuff he does but yeah that's all i got i mean i think i think the blu-ray is fine but i don't i do wish there was more to it uh the 88 films releases they've been okay i just wish they would add a little bit more uh some of them they put some documentaries on them and stuff but they've been documentaries they've been released on other stuff so i really do wish they you know but again they're an upstart maybe they'll maybe they'll pick it up a little bit there's still a few releases they got that I wouldn't mind yeah. checking out. So. And they put out some good stuff, Blast Fighter, this. I mean, they've, they're, kudos to them for getting it out there, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd still like to have that. I, mean, I haven't bought it yet, but I still want to get that Blast Fighter because the only copy of Blast Fighter I got is a bootleg copy that I bought off of uh, well, Cinema Day Bazaar. I feel like um, Raro hasn't done anything in a long time. I know we're, we're sponsored by them. We just haven't kept touch, but uh, I feel like they haven't done anything in a while. Yeah, it seems like they disappeared off the map for a little bit. Yeah. Don't know what's going on. Huh. Yeah, it looks like they're in limbo right now. Hmm. So, yeah. So what do you okay. got for scores? Make, make or Break is the opening bike chase. Yep. Amazing. I'm in agreement with you there. So we're in agreement with the Make or Breaks. Uh, MVT is the rampant, cartoonish, hairy, macho bullshit of the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I gave it to the leads because, again, they I'm just going to go right along that. with you here for the convenience of time. Also, because yeah. I got uh, somebody coming to see me. But totally. The, uh, the leads, yes, they're great. My score is a 7.75. I don't think it's an 8. I don't think it's a 7.5. I'm going to go 7.5. I think it's a perfectly okay. fun, acceptable um, entry in the genre. Yeah. I... Like I said, I'm mostly in agreement with you and everything. My MVT, my, but like I said, make or break, same thing. MVT, the leads, kind of the macho-ness of the leads and kind of silliness of it. My score is 
slightly higher than yours. It is an eight. I, I do nice. like this one quite a bit. I think it's super entertaining. I think it's super silly and some of its uh, earnestness. And uh, like I said, I'd, I I wouldn't put it in my top 10 Euro crimes, even though it, it I, I would rate it high. But I rate it high because I think it's one of the most watchable. Oh, I agree. Uh, I think it's just it's a super entertaining one, and uh, I don't think it's you know a masterpiece like uh, Milano Calvert Nine or uh, well you name it even hey, almost Human to Me is a better film than this but I would say it is yeah yeah but I or uh, Craft Prostitute which I think is oh know, I love that yeah. <laughs> it's what's probably the most it's the unsung hero of your crime films mm-hmm. uh, but it, this is really really good and a whole lot of fun uh, it would definitely be in my top twenty year old crime films I think I, I would I say think. so yeah. Because it's so much fun. I mean, it's just so, I don't know. I smiled the whole time, even though, you know, some of it was just ridiculous. I couldn't help smiling. Oh, I agree. And I liked it more. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm going to be as hard on it going forward because I would always be quick to go, man, this isn't as good as everyone says. But I think because so many people are introduced to the genre through this film that yes, yes. they have a lot, of lo- a lot of love for it. And I'd seen it like midway through mm-hmm. when I was yeah. really getting into the genre. I was like, man, this film is not that fucking good. But it, yeah, it's... that's certainly, I agree with you. That certainly affects a watch on this. Like if you love you know, like the Italian Connection or some of that stuff, some of those really good Eurocrime films, and then you see this, this doesn't look that good. If you see this first, then you go back and see the other stuff, you're always, I think, going to have a soft spot for this one. Because mm-hmm. I think it's, a, it's you know, it's kind of like, uh, the. Uh, well, I mean, maybe, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think the first one I ever saw. You know what, I can't think off the top of my head what the first one I ever saw was. That was probably High Crime, Street Law, or... It, it Busters or, or Big Racket. It was one of those. Yeah, it was probably a narrow film. But I can't remember which one. It may have been Street Law. It may have been that one. I don't know. Anyway, it may have been a Merrily film, too. I don't know. I, I can't remember. They, you know, obviously, they look similar in some ways. So yes. Uh, it may have been one of those two. But either way, good stuff. Yeah, I'm glad we, I'm glad we finally covered it, though. I know. For real. Okay, so let's take a short break. Let's uh, get off our bikes, park them in the garage for a while, and actually we're get, get, into back our, on. Get, get into our stingray. Get into our stingray, that's right. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Angie Bates, a.k.a. Sweet Prudence, and you're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai. Okay, we have decided to jump across Europe into Spain and Germany, and we've gotten a time machine uh, and fast forwarded uh, five years. Yeah, and a film that exists in its own era and own world, really. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's sort okay. of similar to Intrepidos Punks or, uh, well, a few other films we've talked about on the show. This film seems to exist in a world all its own. It does, and we're all the better for it. Oh yes, indeed. So, as a matter gonna... of fact, I would argue, I would, I would almost argue, I wish we could get a hold of this for the next GGTMC release. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because this one, this film, if there's ever a film that earned the hashtag, so GGMC. It's this film. Oh my god, <laughs> it's this film. I mean, it ticks every box. Every box. Yeah. Yeah. If you had a checklist for films we've covered that has the things we like in them, oh man, this thing checks every one of them. It does. Maybe not the fashion, or maybe not you know, maybe not members only jackets or Zubaz. Um, un- unfortunately. Unfortunately, but everything else. <laughs> everything else yeah so this is uh again diabolic dvd episode this was put out by a german label uh i'm just trying to find the name of the label because i don't know if they just in front of me uh digibook or 
Illusions Unlimited or it was a it was a weird one. No, something I'd never seen before. I can't remember. Uh, I didn't write it down, and I can't remember. But I remember thinking I've never heard of this. Illusions movie. Unlimited. Yeah, I, I don't know. Have you seen anything by these guys? No, I've seen Two Unlimited, uh, the musical stylings of, but uh, Illusions yeah. Unlimited. <laughs> I'm looking at their website right now, and uh, it's in German. My German's not what it used to be, so. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what even these words mean. Lots of umlauts and I don't know. I'll have to look. Um, ooh, there's a st- ooh. They're putting out. It looks like they're putting out um, uh, Escape 2000 or what is it called? K- oh, Thatcher. Turkey yeah, Turkey Shoe. Yeah, Thatcher's Blood Camp or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's got m- multiple different titles. Yeah. Insel der van Verdamten. I still think Turkey Shoe's the best title. Turkey Shoe is absolutely the best title. Absolutely. And that is a, I mean, that's something we ought to try to get up. Man, I don't know, mate. That is a GGTMC classic right there. Turkey shoot? Yeah. It is. Man, I'd like to do a commentary for that. Maybe we'll do one anyway. What the hell? We could. Yeah, we absolutely could. But Illu- Illusions Unlimited is a label we weren't very familiar with. I was a big fan of this film. I know you like this film. Um, yes. For some reason, see, I saw this for the first time around the time I'd seen the sequel to Intrepidos Punks. Which I want to say has a similar title to Los Villadores, but uh, I'm going to take a quick little looking. But anyway, this comes in a beautiful um, black Blu-ray case. Yeah, it's uh, very very interesting, and I, and and sadly, uh, I was at work and I forgot that I left this out on my entertainment system. Ooh. And uh, my wife invited some kids over to play with my son, and they were in the theater room. Ooh. And it was still in the same spot, but I guarantee you that they were all talking about <laughs> Oh, man. My kids both saw this cover, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a rather infamous cover. Sadly, the girl that actually dresses up like the one doesn't that's very like prominent on the cover yeah. Yeah, doesn't look like that. But It's a shame. The, the first lady, though, is something to talk about. She's Ooh. unbelievable. It's a shame they couldn't get... Um. Lena, the sister from Living a Cocktail Like a Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this film has nobody that I know in it. I may have seen that lead guy in something, but. My dreams, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's <laughs> you got. You saw a, him on chips. He's got an almost uh, Mike Abbott kind of look to him, in we, a way. Yeah, we had said off the air that <laughs> he is the love child of Ray Lovelock, Mike Abbott, and Eric Estrada. <laughs> Yeah, which means he's yeah. All, which means he's all man. <laughs> he really is. It is a his Steve McQueen bomber jacket and everything. We'll oh talk about. Oh my god, he, Jose Gras, and he plays uh, a character named Hal Walters. <laughs> Such a bland name. And his girlfriend's uh, name is Babsy. He's been on our show before, though. He he was in uh, Bruno Mattei's Hell of the Living Dead, and he was in Conk. Oh, maybe he hasn't been on the show because Conquest is one of our not one of, but it's the. Infamous oh, man. Who the hell was he in Conquest? Now I got. Now we got to. I'm, it a, says I'm waiting was, for that. Blue, I'm waiting for that Blu-ray release of Conquest. We'll have to cover it. It, it yeah. says he played Fado, which is one of the one, two, three, yeah. four, top five. I'm a, I'm a big Conquest fan, but I can't remember who Fado is. <laughs> he's he's billed above Joya Scola, the like de- nude Destro chick. Oh, well, he's billed hey. above her. So chances are we yeah we have talked about him before. I think Hell of a Living Dead. I think you covered that about Midnight Ride. I don't think I. Yeah, covered I might have. Yeah. Because I don't think I've talked about Hell of the Living Dead yet. I don't think I have. No, I know I haven't, as a matter of fact. It's a fun one, certainly. Yeah. 
I, I, so yeah, we've seen him around. He's been in our dreams. He's been on the show sort of possibly, <laughs> yeah. but he runs uh, in the same circles. Let's put it that way. He absolutely does. So surprised let's, he wasn't in Nightmare City. Oh yeah, I would. I'll tell you this. I would rather have, and this may be blasphemous to some. I'll take him over Hugo Stiglitz any day. Ooh, bold talk. Yeah, that's bold. I don't talk. know uh, him in this film. Stiglitz sure. is fun. Yeah, him in this film. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'm not familiar enough with his work. I mean, I like a few other Stiglitz things. Just a Stiglitz few other Stiglitz joints. Stiglitz can be a bit lazy, though. He can be. I mean, the most the entertaining thing about him most of the time is his hair and his beard. See, Stiglitz will bring a corduroy jacket, teaching jacket with like leather elbow patches. Yeah, he'll wear that to the beach. He'll wear that guy. to the beach. Whereas Jose <laughs> Gras brings his fucking stingray. <laughs> yeah, so. and a flower print like silk shirt of some sort. Yeah, he he really brings it. So. <laughs> the cover for this, don't leave out in front of your kids. Both of my kids saw it. Uh, I thankfully is it the, reversible? I didn't look to see if it was reversible. I need to check that out. It is reversible, if memory serves. But I didn't like the other cover as much. And oh no, it's not. It's I mean, a great, the best. It's a great yeah. cover. It's so sweet. It's almost like a Ralph Batsky, yeah, like like of. crazy, wacky, you know, seventies adult cartoon type look. That's right. Now we should say, even though we said this is a German Blu-ray, it is region free. Yes, it is. Unfortunately. You have to speak German to enjoy the bonus features. But you don't have to speak German to enjoy the film because it's no. dubbed. In a, in a gloriously. It's gloriously dubbed. dubbed. <laughs> it might be. If we were oh, doing yeah. the GGTMZ Oscars mm-hmm. and one of the categories was favorite dubbing or best dubbing, this would probably win the Oscar this year. Oh, yeah. This is this is one of my favorite dubs of all time. This is right up there with the best of them. Oh, I man. mean, this is. And it's it's so earnest and so honest and it's just so good. And so, <laughs> so unrepentantly good. sleazy. And I think that's one of the things I love most about it alongside Intrepidos Punks is that it's so unrepentantly sleazy in a way that it almost gives it a naive charm. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost – yeah. There's almost a charm to it. <laughs> Although I don't <laughs> – I don't. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's not for everybody. I think if you're, if you obviously, if you listen to this show, it, it's, it's going to be right up your alley. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, for some of maybe your significant others, and certainly your children, it's not going to be appropriate. But no. uh, you know, hey, one day, you know, I look forward to telling my son, "You should see Mad Foxes." <laughs> yes. And he'll say, "Dad, you're crazy." <laughs> oh man. And I'll say, "I knew there was something wrong with me <laughs> a long time ago." <laughs> But if you if you put me if you put me on a desert island and said I can choose either Citizen Kane or Mad Foxes to watch over and over again, I'd choose Mad Foxes. I'd choose Mad Foxes. Absolutely, and I love Citizen Kane. I think it's yeah, I love one Citizen of the few Kane films I've given a I only ten out of ten Citizen to. Kane. Yeah, I only use it for an example because it's you know the example film. Well, this but if is... you put me on a desert island, I don't want to be I don't want to be blown over by your filmmaking technique. I want to be entertained. No, I don't want to see. I don't want to hear. Um, or some Wells talk about Rosebud. I want to see this actress's Rosebud get violated. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, I want to be entertained, and this is the the great. This is a great example of a greatly entertaining uh, exploitation. Exploitation. Movie. This turns. We talked about. I'll tell you what. Live like a cop, die like a man is subtle and nuanced compared to this film. Oh yeah, it's like uh, it's like uh, driving Miss Daisy compared to this thing. It is. It totally yeah, is. This thing, this thing's pounding you over the head, oh. left and right. Yeah. This thing never lets up. Well, its dick is on your shoulder, <laughs> and it hasn't been washed in two weeks. But, but but it's been sprayed with cologne. Yeah, and spray tan. And spray tan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, because the lead, is... he, he's, he's very bronze compared to the rest of the, uh, yeah. the crew. He totally is. All right, let's get into this. I'll, I'll lead a little bit on this I would this love one. to hear, yeah. My notes, most of my notes are pretty simple, and and I want to leave a lot of it to the uh, listeners, because if they haven't seen this at all, then they're really missing out. Now, those who have seen it, they know what we're talking about. Mileage may vary, but I think if you like stuff like Final Score, The Stabilizer, Intrepidos Punks, if you yeah, like those kind of movies, yeah. W is War is one I would, that I'm hoping you'll get to see at some I point. I'm hoping, it, yeah. We should review that at some point pretty soon because yes. you know, we've been talking about it quite a bit behind the scenes lately. Uh, we should definitely do that because I really want you to see that one. It's pretty wacky. And uh, uh, this is just one of those ones you have to have. Yes. If, if you're an exploitation film fan, you just have to have this. I agree. I, I, I really I can't see how you can't have it. I don't know how we waited this long. I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, the Cold Muscle guys covered it. I think Sylvia uh, Gold's covered it. Yeah, I think they did. I, they? Think, I think they did. This would be one of the rare films that all of us, all of ours, <laughs> all of us have covered. Yeah, all of us arses. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay, so first off, you know, it, it's got a great, uh, very, well, just a lovely kind of Australian-inspired tracking shot of the on the on the Stingray. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of camera Sex. on the on the car type deal. Sex. Yeah, it works. It just it always works in cinema. It's one of the great shots, you know. Uh, I believe maybe the Australians maybe came up with it first. I'm not positive on that if they're the ones, but they're definitely the ones that made it almost pornographic in a way, mm-hmm. you know, and and make, and make it work so well. And this is they're harping on that quite a bit. You get a producer in here whose last name is Woodhard, which I don't think is a coincidence. Man, I wrote that down. <laughs> I don't think that's a coincidence at all. Woodhard. It's it's the most appropriately named producer in the history of cinema yeah we got a we get a great lead car in this what we get is we get a stingray i can't remember the year it's corvette stingray uh it looks like well it almost looks like an advertisement for a it's like a riding advertisement for an eight track player or something but it just it oh, looks it's like so sexy it's got man. these kind of great like orange and bronze lines all around it and it's white yeah it's white it's i mean it's glorious. gaudy but it's so like late 70s early 80s it, it just works perfect and of course it's a distinctive car and that's key to have a distinctive car, if you're going to have a car as a strong element in your film, you got to have a distinctive car, something that you see and you think, oh, shit. You know, you can't have – I mean, as great as it is to watch Fiat's and Mini Coopers get blown up all the time and all these other films we watch, I, you know, I still stand by, you know, I'm, I'm from the car movie generation, right? You know, oh, the, yeah. the, the Bandit Mobile and, and all these cars. And, of course, the car TV shows we all grew up on. So this has got a great car in it. And uh, it's also got a great – Gang of bad guys, maybe one of the most GGTMC uh, bad guy neo-Nazi groups of all time. <laughs> Big time, man. Big the lead, time. the leader of this group is some kind of weird, effeminate, maybe even more effeminate, uh, kind of Paul Schaefer <laughs> slash <laughs> slash. Uh, I, I don't know what he is. Slash Freddie Mercury, maybe. <laughs> he's 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 an elegant because uh... he goes way over the top. So I'll say yeah, I'll say Paul Schaefer slash Eddie Freddie Mercury. <laughs> yes, <laughs> as a combo, and he wears he wears he wears a hat that has an he's actual rope regalia. holding on. <laughs> has a what? It has an actual rope holding his hat on. <laughs> <laughs> an actual piece of rope is actually holding his hat amazing, on. Man. It's pretty amazing, you know. But he's got a great gang. He's got uh, I can't remember all their names, but the only real name you really need to remember in this gang, and you'll hear it at the beginning. Is a certain character named Stiletto who looks like he's. Yes. Well, we should say the whole gang looks like they're straight out of like you know a bad village. Like the the third, the third group of village people that you know that interviewed with uh, Alan Carr for the job. Yes. 
you know, like this is, these are the third run guys. Like, Hey, Alan, these are the guys that this is the third tryout. And they're like, no, we'll just go with the guys. The first guys, are, they look okay. <laughs> these guys, I don't know what we're going to do with these guys. So that's what this gang looks like. They look like the village people, right? Oh man. And in all their glory, I mean, in all the cheesiness of the late seventies, early eighties, you know, some of it looks okay. Some of it looks ridiculous. All of it looks awesome. But we can say that. Oh, um, yeah, the stiletto is the main guy you will remember the most when you come away from this movie. He's a crown Even though he's jewel. not the, yeah, he's not the leader of the gang, quote unquote. But he may as well be because he's the most memorable part of the gang, and he gets all the great moments. And uh, <laughs> he goes for it. He goes for it. He goes, fashion. He goes. He goes. Harvey Cattell. He goes, I mean, even Harvey Cattell was like, dude. You know, you went too far, you know? It's true. Abel Ferrara was like, whoa, I got to make a movie. Yes. I'm going to make Bad Lieutenant because I saw Mad Foxes. That's right. But, no, we'll get to Stiletto a little bit more in a minute. But he, Stiletto starts off pretty heavy in the film because the first thing we get, you know, we get uh, our lead riding around. We should say this is directed by Paul Grau or quote-unquote Paul Gray. And uh, first thing we get, we get, you know, he's riding around town. He's got him a nice-looking woman. He's going to go to a bar. He gets the good champagne. You know, they get the, he's got the locked up bottle of whiskey. You know, he's hardly he's living the dream. He is living the dream. I mean, it's the late 70s, early 80s. You know, life is good. Unfortunately, he, you know, as he's riding down the road, he gets a little smart with some punks. They get a little smart with him. Uh, he runs one off the road and kills him. <laughs> like, it's oh, no goes. big deal. And this goes, <laughs> he goes yeah, to the bar. Ain't, ain't no thing. <laughs> no thing. You know, it happens every night, every Friday night. It's a normal thing. Uh, so he goes ahead and goes to the bar. Well, you know, obviously they're pissed. Uh, oh. And normally we don't get into story, but this one got you got to get a little bit of the story background because there's a lot of great moments in here. But the story's pretty bare bones, but it works because it's basically a vengeance movie is all what it is. And uh, I wouldn't say revenge so much as vengeance itself because both sides are kind of looking for revenge, right? It's not just one side, both sides. It, it does. It, this does go to some dark places, but we'll get to that in a minute. Now, they really do. The gang does take it to the. They take it take to the it limit. To the limit. Yeah, unfortunately, Glenn Fry passed away today, so I can. Yeah, that, that's a poignant use of the word. Take it to the limit. There. Very yeah. sad. That is sad. That is sad. And Iron Mike Sharp, very GGTMC tragic tragedies today. Yeah, it is, man. Bad day for the GGTMC. Man, that's a different kind of band. There's been a lot of people passing away lately. It's been an yeah. awful. Yeah. Few weeks. And uh, you know uh, what's his name? Uh, Clarence Reed, Blowfly, he passed away too. Fuck. I don't know if you know who he is. Yeah, of he, course he wrote, I do. Yeah. yeah, he wrote a bunch of the Casey and the Sunshine Band yeah, of songs. Course, yeah. and of course, Blowfly was infamous. But Great anyway. Documentary. Yeah, you know what? I was actually, that's one of the things I've been working on. Uh, like, I'd never seen it. It's good. And uh, it's one of those ones that slipped by my radar. And then I saw that he passed away. And I was like, you know what? I never saw that documentary. And so I've kind of been working through it. I'm almost done with it. But it is really good, yeah. And pretty sad too, in some ways. Right. Anyway. Back on point. Um, so they, they kind of stop the, the lead and his girlfriend uh, getting back in their car when they're going to leave the club. And things go bad quick. I mean, zero very, to very 60 very quickly. They essentially, the girl that's going out with the leads, she's essentially a virgin, which we find out because she essentially gets punctured by the Freddie Mercury, uh, <laughs> Paul Schaefer lookalike. Uh and then, you know, he throws stiletto on her, and that, that ends badly. It ends uh, very badly, unless you're stiletto. Badly. Yes, unless you're stiletto. It doesn't end badly for him. Uh, this is only one of many moments where you're going to see a lot of stiletto, because uh, there's a lot of stiletto in this movie. <laughs> a lot. Um, so that eventually kicks off our movie. Now we're looking for, you know, 
moments. And and that that rape scene is it's it's silly and over the top, but it's also kind of I don't know. It's kind of vicious and gross too, in a weird way. It is really gross. My wife saw it. I think it's because of the way it's set up, right? I mean, you know, I'm not to say that any um, all rape scenes are gross if you really want to get technical about it, but I mean, this one, the way they set it up, it's just it's downright awful. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's an exploitation film. You know what you're in for, but I mean, it's just it's pretty bad stuff. Anyway, uh, to get back on point, the gang kind of gets away with this. So now our lead, he's really upset. So. What does he do? You do what any normal man does. You you dial up the local tough dojo owner named Linus, who you know. I mean, yes. obviously, all tough dojo owners could take a take a lesson from somebody named Linus. Oh man, <laughs> I love that his name was Linus. I couldn't get over that for the longest yeah. time. I was like, they should have just gave him like a security blanket or something, you know? No, I know. Uh, <laughs> his dojo is amazing, though. It's amazing, it, 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 and it's very GGTMC. <laughs> it is because it's about the size of a closet. <laughs> But everybody in there is really going at it, man. I mean, they're really going at it. A lot of a uh, lot of a lot of Bruce Faberge in that dojo. I got a feeling, you know. There's a lot of American geese as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he's a real tough dojo owner. But anyway, he needs help, so he helps out uh, them. They go, they're going to have a Viking funeral at a at an arena. <laughs> and they go. Their... Sorry, they go, go full tilt with the Viking funeral. I thought they <laughs> yeah. were going to scrimp on it. <laughs> And no, like, no, no, no. No, they go for it. No, they like like any good parents, they uh they dote on their you know, their firstborn. They the one they lose. <laughs> <laughs> uh J and B makes an appearance at the funeral. Did you notice that? Yes. No, I don't think I did actually. Yeah, there's some J and B in there. It's nice, a nice little touch. Yeah, European cinema, it's finest, man. I mean, what a world we live in to think about this movie on Blu-ray, a movie that I think a lot of people probably still haven't seen. And the ones that have seen are probably just people who look for these kinds of things like you and I. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, I mean, obviously, things like the Internet and stuff have made this stuff more readily available. But, I mean, just think about that for a minute. It's, It's one of those things, again, where we always say it. I mean, this is the world we live in now, where things like Mad Foxes are on Blu-ray. And i got to be honest with you. If we could get a hold of this and put it on the GGTMC label, you know, I mean, if that was a thing, I mean, I, yeah, I would totally be down for it. I mean, I think it would, I think it's got a little bit more popularity and something we probably could get into, but still, uh, and you know, it's got a proper release and stuff, but this is so what we talk about all the time on the show. Um, classic overacting, classically bad violence, uh, nasty, questionable fighting skills for everybody involved. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The Viking funeral ends in some of the worst, like one of the worst battle royales I've ever seen. Big time, man. <laughs> Stilettos kicking ass, but I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> it gets pretty rough. Um, there's a lot of naked women in this. There's uh, a lot of awesome, like late seventies, early eighties fashion choices. There's <laughs> there's an odd moment where I think two people were in a bathtub and it looks like somebody pissed in it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> Who gets? Uh, I wouldn't even get in that bath. <laughs> no, man. That's the opposite <laughs> desired effect of what a bath does. Yeah. It's either a bath or it's like you know human chicken noodle soup. It looks bad. <laughs> Yo, man. it looks terrible. You're gonna come out smelling much worse. Well, yeah. I mean, I and you know they're doing something in that bath water, so maybe that's uh, you know maybe, maybe he or she got too excited. <laughs> it's really gross, though. <laughs> you no, know, it is gross. I mean, because I. I have a thing. I mean, we talked about this back when we did Gummo. 
I have a thing for dirty bathwater that I mean, and it's not a good thing. I'm talking about an aversion. I'm not talking about a fetish. I'm talking about an aversion. I cannot stand dirty bathtubs or dirty anything like that. Anything around the bath area, it just it skeeves me out. Okay. Oh yeah. And uh, dirty bathwater, like if you know, like that scene in Gummo with a kid eating in the bath. Oh, oh, it just repulses me so badly. Oh, it's like the grossest thing. You could give me scenes in Cannibal Holocaust all day compared to that, and I won't be as skeeved out as I am with that seat. No, I know. But this one's pretty gross. And oh. um, I know I'm skipping around a lot. There's a lot to talk about. I'm going to let oh, you get into this Where do we begin on something like this? Yeah, I mean, there's so many moments, but unfortunately I got company where I'm at, so I can't really get into too much detail. You can't getting, get naked and do roundhouses. Yeah, I can't do what I, I can't do what I normally do. That's right. You can't get your stiletto on, man. That's right. But the... Uh, <laughs> That's such a zombie yeah. with zombie stiletto. Yes. <laughs> oh, <quick>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'll just get into a few things. At one point in the film, and I've actually made this my cover photo on Facebook. Oh, I gotta go. At one point in the film, all the gang is, you know, they've gotten rest of the bad guys. And they're all getting ready for another day of debauchery. For some strange reason, Stiletto's nude. <laughs> yes. He's pissing in the corner. Why, though? Why? Everyone else is fully dressed. I have no idea. Either he's a late riser or, or that's, you know, he's just, you know, he's a big fan of all natural. I mean, obviously he's a big fan of all natural because then we get the pivotal moment where he decides to joke around with his buddies. All natural, doing high kicks and spin kicks. He looks like one of the like like a like a lumberjack brawny rocket. <laughs> it's a moment of both comic absurdity and uncomfortableness for the audience. It's one of the greatest moments I think ever put to film. Speaking of Rosebud, <laughs> the reveal in this may be more yeah. powerful than the reel of Rosebud. Yeah, that swinging of the leg, man, only to see. <laughs> Jack into magic beans <laughs> yeah. just dropping right into your face. I mean, that's right. If I'm his buddies, you know, I'm like, dude, you know. Dur- hey, Dur Bratwurst. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Stiletto, this is not cool, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um. uh, now, the thing about Stiletto, that actor, I think his name, I can't remember his name, Eric something, I think. He must have been like a bodybuilder, maybe, or something. He's a pretty big dude. Um, well endowed. Uh, not, not, you know, not, not, uh, Beyond the Green Door endowed, but you know, Eric Falk. You know, yeah, he's not afraid to. There's an interview with him on the disc too. Unfortunately, it's in German. There's no subtitles, so I can't really. But I'd like to hear. I'd like to know more about this guy. I think he didn't do a. Like most people in this film, I don't think he didn't do a whole lot. No. Um, I don't know if that was proper English. What I said. I don't think he didn't do a whole lot. Is that what I just said? Jesus Christ! You might have. <laughs> oh my my! It's getting late. <laughs> anyway, uh, that is such a great moment. I mean. Like I said, I had to make it a cover photo, and I wanted to make the other moment a cover photo, but it might be, you know, it would be reported because obviously it's full frontal. Yeah, I was trying to zoom in on the toilet scene, which is the other great scene. Oh, man. Involving stiletto, which lingers and goes on for some time, and you can't help help but keep looking. Oh, I know. (laughs) If you don't look, you're not human, but you can't help but keep looking the whole time. He's just sitting there. I mean, I'm thinking this guy's, you know. This is a pretty brave actor moment because, you know, you don't you don't have to do this. No. But I admire the fact that he went as far as he did and the director went as far as he did because it's one of those performances that you'll never forget. No. Uh, still, that was great. Even when he's walking into the parking garage leading the gang, he's got this great walk that he does, and it's, it's pretty fantastic. 
And the, the gang itself, I mean, outside of Stiletto and the leader, everybody else is kind of one note, but they're all kind of fun. Um, again, they kind of get into a situation <laughs> where they caused our lead to get like go way over the top because they do something awful to him. Uh, there's this weird moment. There's a weird scene where he picks up somebody on the beach and they just all of a sudden are a thing. Those are the two that are in the bath together. They just he just leaves another guy behind because that guy brought a whole cooler. We we joked around about it, man. What a bad move that was. I mean, he brought like a whole like like a trunk to the beach. I'll tell you what, that's the bad move of bad moves. You're gonna go to a nudist beach and you're gonna bring a big heavy like a steam trunk when you're hitchhiking. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, you got to. I mean, and obviously somebody in a Corvette's not got any room for that trunk. You got room. You got two seats, as we find out. Yeah, and she just is like, well, I'll just leave this dude. Yeah. After a, a brief frolic on the Smell beach, you again, later. another bad move, another bad move. We all know that Big you, know, you, time. Don't, you don't do that on the beach. I mean, that, that leads no. to irritations in the weirdest places. And granules, sort of a granular <laughs> feeling that's <laughs> yeah. not pleasant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it can lead to some serious issues. Anyway, uh, but that's a weird moment uh, mixed in with the fact that he took <laughs> you to mom and dad almost immediately. Oh, yeah. Which is another weird moment. Yeah. There's a great moment where he decides, I think he's skeet shooting or something. He's dressed up like a, like one of those guys that goes on a fox hunt. It's true. And uh, it's pretty great. <laughs> Matter of fact, I kind of wished he would have finished the rest of the film in that outfit. It was amazing. Uh, but he eventually puts on, like I said, the Steve McQueen uh, hunter jacket, which is kind of like a green bomber jacket with the orange interior. I think it's a reversible, like Air Force type jacket type deal. He's a fashion plate in this. He is. He's got some great costumes. He really does. His hair looks good. He, I mean, he's a good looking guy. And he sells the role. I mean, it's not it's not high caliber acting, but for this kind of movie, it's it's perfectly fine. And you know, obviously, you know, I'd like to see somebody like Peter O'Brien or somebody like that, somebody I'm you know deeply in love with. But I like this guy a lot in this film, although I can't remember his name. <laughs> we Eric Falk. Our, there, there we go. No, not Eric Falk. That's the stiletto. We're talking about the lead now, right? I uh, see. I'm hung up on stiletto. <laughs> Eric yeah. Falk is stiletto, and the yeah. lead actress Jose Gras. Yeah, Jose Glass. So he's he's pretty great. Well, why couldn't those two have done the um, Alan Bates Oliver Reed nude wrestling match? <laughs> yeah, yeah. would have been good. And this film, we should say, once the stuff really kicks in, he takes care of the rest of the uh, gang. I'm not spoiling anything here. It's basically like I said, a vengeance film. Uh, this thing has a a wacky, if ab- abrupt ending. <laughs> That's it's pretty out there. I mean, it's not, it's nothing like super original, but I didn't see it coming the first time I saw it. No. Of course, I, unfortunately, I don't think Jose did either. Sadly not. Uh, but uh, it, it's almost cartoonish. Yeah. And it's, again, and it's buffoonery. This movie is, is like, it's, it's so much like Looney Tunes. I mean, the only thing missing is, you know, in that last scene is like the word Acme. Oh, that's, big really time. Like the, that's the only thing missing in a lot of ways. And in a lot of these scenes, it's the only thing missing is like that Roadrunner slash coyote humor that you would get in a film like this because they're just trying to one up each other at some point. They're just trying to, you know, get the better of each other all the time. And it, it gets pretty nasty and pretty explicitly violent. It's not like it holds back. It's just it's 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 a bonkers movie. Again, I can't really get into too much graphic detail because I have company where I'm at, but I'll let you get into the graphic detail if you'd like. Sure. We could talk about this film for a few hours, I think. Yes. Um, we won't, uh, unfortunately. But, yeah, Unrepentant Sleaze. And you didn't even mention the cock rock 
I feel no, like, man, it's it got is. a pretty amazing soundtrack. I know, I know, I know. It uh, does. Crocus. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a uh, what's what is that song? I know that song. It's a good uh, song, man. It is a good song. I think um, if I may ask, if we can maybe put some Crocus and some Glenn Fry in this. Uh, yeah, maybe, episode, maybe. Yeah. I think maybe maybe the Ray Lovelock song and maybe and the Ray Lovelock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Glenn Fry. You know, obviously, you know, we've lost quite a few folks lately. Glenn Fry, David Bowie. That's true. That's true. That's true. Lemmy, uh, you know, I'm sure Lemmy. we'll get some of that stuff mixed in. I yeah. played some some Celine by way of her husband. I don't know. We'll yeah, maybe go over yeah, so yeah. well on our show, but yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. not so but much. either way, I mean, a lot of people are passing away, unfortunately. Awful. It is bad. <clears throat> Awful. Oh, Alan Rickman, of course. Yeah. A big, yeah, big one, man, big one. Crazy. Um, but the cock rock uh, and the shot from the wheel well of the car you talked about—it's roaring down the highway, and it's amazing. Um. One of my favorite openings. I just love it. It's so great. It's so stylish. And you'd mentioned that executive producer name. Uh, it just bumps up the levels of excellence. Woodhard. Woodhard. <laughs> There's a great bike explosion too near the opening of the film. Oh yeah, yeah. That was the Pretty first. Great. That was the uh, the firstborn they lose there. That's right. Um, <laughs> the blue looks really good. We talked about how kind of mediocre the Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man Blu-ray was. This Blu-ray looks amazing. Yeah, when you consider he, oh the only way God. I ever saw this film was a VHS. <clears throat> this looks amazing, amazing on Blu-ray. It has no business looking this good, but it does, and I'm yeah. glad it does. And it's a shame the special features aren't in English, but the the the, the only because we're English. If we weren't, yes. if we weren't English, it'd be amazing. That's right. <laughs> if we were German, if we or were if German. we were. If we were like a lot of other people in the world, multilinguists, you know, you know, multilingual, we're, we're uh, sadly we're Americans. We're like, you, at least you got the French thing. You got well, a little bit of that. We're cunning linguists, but not multilinguists. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're cunning linguists. Not much. Uh... <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> nice. But, uh, I got to say, Andrea uh, Albani, who plays his girlfriend, Babsy, uh, she's so hot. She reminded me of like a... She's the one in the beginning, right? Yeah. And again... It's a weird situation because I was confused because she's there with him in the beginning. Then he goes home he and there's one waiting for him at home. <clears throat> yeah, he's a dog in this. He's, a, he's yeah. like, he's like, uh, he's a real poon hound in this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he yeah. goes for it, man. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't rest. He waits for no woman. He keeps going. Yeah. He moves on pretty quick. You know, he somebody does. gets raped and killed, and he just heart, goes home and knocks another one out. His heart heals uh, rather quickly. But yeah. Babsy's gorgeous. She looks sort of like a, a Spanish kind of slinkier. Phoebe Cates in some ways, in some ways. Mm -hmm. I don't know. She's yeah. really, really my type, though. No, um, no, no. She is. She's really, she's really uh, good looking. And they do a good job of making her very, you know, innocent. It sounds kinda. perverted, but I mean, she seems kind of sweaty when they're doing that thing and everything. So it, it sounds perverted, but I mean, I think that that works. That yes. makes it even more kind of primal in some way. And Hal, she, is, she is gorgeous. She's yeah. gorgeous. Hal Walters is such a class act that when he gets to the club, he's only messing with Moet. He doesn't want anything else, man. It's only yeah. the high-end shit. For they said they only had one bottle left, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's all he wants. Um, how about that incredible hand-painted mural of Niagara Falls? And you didn't even mention the, the, the in, inexplicable swing dancing scene that's cut into the film. <laughs> it's such a yeah. bizarre, inorganic, sort of foreign thing to I'm see. I'm only now kind of coming to the idea of what the title might mean. And that, you know, like he has that fox hunting suit on. Maybe he's hunting the gang down as the mad foxes. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a great, it's great, great title, but I don't really know what it means. Well, neither do I. Are the, is the gang the mad foxes? Is he the mad fox? 
Maybe we're all mad foxes. <laughs> Are the women the mad foxes? I mean, that's what it, you see the cover, <clears> you see the <throat> title, and you think to yourself, this is some kind of like crazy. He's crazy as a fox. Yeah. All the women yeah, he has in his fox yeah. den. Yeah. I don't uh, know what that title means. <laughs> and how about neither do I. I, I stared at the title and the title stared back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> how about, you know, I've been in some, not to say I'm a shooter. I have been in a lot of VIP rooms. I've been in a few VIP rooms in my day. I don't remember any as brightly lit as this VIP room. No. The, no, no in no, fact, man. VIP rooms are supposed to have the opposite effect. Yeah. yeah Light yeah, them yeah. L- lower, please. Yes. Um, there's such a, there's so much sort of crass juvenile exploitation in this, but it just works because it's so ridiculous. Like when they rape uh, Andrea Albani and they say, "Oh, what a surprise! You're still a virgin." Yeah, no, it's so, it's so awful. That's <clears throat> so gross. And there's a moment. It's like when, it's like a step too far. They've already gone too far, and it's like let's, yeah. let's take it one step further. It's so juvenile, but it works because it's just so ridiculous. But it's funny because Jose Gras is in the corner, like he's supposed to be. Like kind of shaking from the the beating he's taken. Uh-huh. But Teresa walked in and, and she thought he was beating off in the corner while his girlfriend was getting raped. <laughs> oh, that's so. That's even worse. Yeah, it's even worse. But the get, Ken Waller moment. From the Ken Waller, we get to see the American Ghee, um, and yeah, they're celebrating the funeral at the amphitheater. And here's here's a curious thing I noticed, and it must be a law in Germany, but whenever there was any interiors with the gang. They would wear swastikas, but anytime they had any exterior shots, you notice they had to cover the swastikas. Yes, I noticed that. Yeah, like you know they're there, but they're not quite as prominent as you. Think, they cover them worried. with a circle. Yeah, I was worried about posting the the cover photo I did, yeah. so I was looking for that. Yeah, I didn't want you know people to think, hey, why you gotta you know people that you know, don't know that you're watching something. Yeah, yeah, they might not know what the film is, right? Like most people probably won't know what the film is. Yeah. So they'll see that and they'll think, oh man, this guy, I'm not gonna be friends with this guy. No, exactly. Uh, but I noticed that in a lot of the photos and a lot of the the stills from the film and stuff, they they do a good job of letting you know that that's what it is, without just blatantly throwing it in your face <clears> all the time. <throat> exactly. And that's probably because it's a German co-production, right? I would think that's why. They, in public, you probably can't wear a swastika. It's illegal. Yeah. Um, this film kind of, I think it it becomes like a, a stew, an exploitation stew, because it has martial arts, it has rape revenge, it has motorcycle gangs. It has a lot of stuff thrown together to make it kind of the stew it is, uh, the gumbo. Um, I know that you mentioned it, another another biker funeral. The another, goulash. Maybe we should goulash, say goulash. <laughs> that, that German goulash. Another biker funeral, another send-off to Valhalla. <laughs> yeah, um, I love it. I love it. <laughs> the most uh, diminutive biker gang in the history of cinema, probably, oh, other, than, other than uh, Stiletto. Stiletto, yeah, he's a giant among men. Maybe that's why they call him Stiletto. Maybe, yeah, maybe. He's <clears> the big <throat> shoe. Huh? <laughs> Ooh, I know who the uh, – and he probably, he's probably one of those dudes that would drink out of, like, the glass cowboy boot when he's drinking beer. <laughs> he seems like that type of guy. Yeah, I'm that type of guy. Sometimes I, I drank out a few of those myself. Yeah, I still have one somewhere. Jose sometimes Gras- when I go to a restaurant, I'll see somebody with a big tacky glass. I'm like, I'm getting one of those. I want, one. <laughs> I want yeah, I want that. Me, one of those. Yeah. Definitely. But he also looks like the um, the German Spanish version of Kunet Arkin, the Turkish actor. Oh, I don't even know if I know who that is. Do uh, I know yeah, who that you do is? Turkish Star Wars. Oh he, yes, I know exactly who that is. Like him. Um, wow. What a pull. <laughs> yeah, he looks like him. There's some really great sleazy sacks and soft lighting and heavy panting. And and one of my notes, and it's kind of ironic that I'm mentioning it today, but I put that sensual Iron Mike Sharp. 
Yeah, yeah, that is ironic. How about that? Um, Crazy. Why, why do I have a note about the crown molding in the film? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but there's, there's dudes working out shirtless. There's speedos. I'll tell you this: Linus's dojo is so intense. Yeah. They, they keep grenades in there. Yeah, that's an intense dojo. I mean, but but again, your name's Linus, so you know you're gonna get picked. Oh, you got to bring your thunder. How yeah. about this? Uh, what's the the main heavy's name? El Nino. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember his name. Because to me, it's, it's all it begins and ends with stiletto, so I don't remember his name. How is it the parking attendant has a credit and Gardo and <laughs> Cargardo del parking, but like the gang doesn't? Yeah, no. Anyway, I can't remember his name now. But what's up uh, with the fact that maybe he did the crown molding? Maybe he did the crown molding. How is it when you're the lead? I think German bike gangs kind of got it twisted because when you're the leader of the gang. Should you be the one riding awkwardly in a really undersized sidecar? <laughs> that is the most undersized yeah. sidecar in the history of motorcycles and cinema. Yeah, yeah that is that is a suspiciously oh, undersized sidecar. <laughs> you can't even stretch your legs out in that thing. No. And we've That's, seen some pretty good sidecar moments. I mean, I think what the new barbarians or was that the one we did? We did that I one. Think so. Uh, that one in Zolkasalari, I think they had a sidecar moment. There was a couple other things we've done with sidecars. But this is the, this is this the, the they they don't bring the sidecar thunder. Like he can't even extend his legs in this. Yeah, he's got. He's got. The only reason like, why now I'm thinking about it, the only reason why they didn't <clears> use <throat> Love Lock and Perel, they didn't bring the sidecar because you can't really you can't really do a lot of stunts in the sidecar. It's kind of awkward, right? And this is very awkward. It's almost yeah. like you're in like a Mike Piazza, like a catcher's position. <laughs> and good on Mike Piazza getting the Hall of Fame this year too, <laughs> but uh, like you're in like a catcher's stance. Oh, it's just yeah. terribly uncomfortable. Now I think about Stiletto and Mike Piazza, kind of look alike. There you go, man. <laughs> I yeah. want to remake this. I want to cast, cast, cast Mike Piazza as Stiletto. I don't know. Yeah, swinging his uh, baseball bat around. <laughs> That's right. Um, it there's one kind of really cool shot in this that I think they borrowed from Clockwork Orange. It's a shot when the gang's walking down the garage, parking garage ramp. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about where Stiletto's kind of got a distinctive walk. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. And that that, that, is, a, that is a great shot. It's a great there is some good shots in the film. I mean, this film's yeah. not over-stylish. No, but there's some. There's enough going on, technically. Yeah. And, but, and it's also, it's what is it, like 85 81. minutes long? Or 85. Oh, it, it may be if that, yeah. Yeah, it's a short one, too. So it's, it's it really... There's not a lot of downtime, so it really moves and cooks, and it really, uh, like I said, I mean, everything from discolored bathwater to uh, violence against parents to uh, skeet shooting. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Any number of things. Evidently, crown molding. I didn't get that note, but... Yeah, uh, I don't know where I got I'm that gonna, from. I'm going to have to go back and look at that now. <laughs> yeah. Stiletto-inspired crown molding. Uh, some dude, he drew a short straw because his office is set up in a parking garage. There's a desk in the middle of the garage. Yes. Very strange. Um, yes. It reminds me of uh, there was another film Office we Space? did. No. There was another film we did where somebody had a desk in a weird. Oh, it was that. Uh, it was Extra Three. Remember they had a desk in the middle of that yes. empty warehouse. Yes, that's right. Robert is, Culp was there. This is even worse, though. I know. You put a yeah. Who wants their office in an underground parking garage? There's a lot of breezy for for a, a really rapey, sleazy film. There's a lot of there's a disproportionate amount of breezy xylophone on the soundtrack. <laughs> <clears throat> breezy xylophone. <laughs> and who ever thought? Who what a sexual thought? instrument, the xylophone. I know. Well, 
<laughs> Another thing. <laughs> Nothing speaks sex like a couple of xylophone sticks. <laughs> like a couple of xylophone sticks. Yeah. You know what? Like, hey, baby, check this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, you, you unleash a flurry with the xylophone yeah. sticks. You do, you do your rock and roll version of Mary Had a Little Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh. Um <laughs> Two weeks in a row we've had... I hope I'm not offending anybody named Linus or anybody that plays the xylophone, xylophone, by the way. Or anyone that rides in sidecars. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just having, we're just having fun here. We do have actually somebody that listens to the show named Linus, so... Yes, we do. That's right. Yeah, so, yeah, we do. So, uh, at least I think he listens to the show. He's part of a member of the group, so... Mm. Um, this is another GGTM episode, GGTMC episode, another buffet of hairy ass crack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, get a nice get a nice dose of it in here. Lots of that. Most of it comes from Stiletto, obviously. More from Stiletto, yeah. Um, you see all of Stiletto in all his glory. You do. Uh, Mama's nothing's house, left of the imagination. <laughs> nothing. Mama's house in this. It looks like, ironically, Vicky Lawrence from Mama's House did the set design. <laughs> and it's where you get the crown molding thing from. Maybe that's where. And it's really weird because the mother is dubbed like a demure Southern belle. Yeah, it, it is an odd touch. Yeah, really odd. Again, I just think it's weird that you know they end up. You know, he just picks this girl up. And I mean, again, it's 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 a silly booby, but he just picks her up, picks her right to mom and dad's house. What's amazing is, and you might have mentioned this with that disgusting yellow bathtub, but homegirl fucks a stranger in mom's clawfoot bathtub. Yeah, it, it's a it's a bold move to say the least. It's a bold move, and she says, I think he says, "Come sit on me." <laughs> So gross. <laughs> after he, after he's pissed in the tub. After he's <laughs> after he's pissed in the tub. So disgusting. He needs to, he needs to drink more water too, man, because that's. Uh, that, I'll tell you that, what. If you can really stain needs, a tub, if yellow. You can, if you can stain a tub, you really. I mean, you got to figure the ratio of water to urine. You yeah. really have to have dark urine to to to, to stain an entire tub. Yeah, maybe you have one of those uh, quote unquote bath bombs or something. Yeah, he definitely had a bath bomb. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about what does she say? He's. I find that once he gets to his parents' house, he reverts to like, like fifteen horny fifteen-year-old entitled rich boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he just meets this strange girl. He's he's fucking this girl in his parents' bathtub. Yeah, it's weird. And he he goes, well, let's hope my mother won't mind, <laughs> as he's cutting the rose. Yeah, I think he's got a fetish there, right? Yeah. Maybe he saw maybe he saw rough uncle six or whatever. Rough uncle six. Tough uncle six, Tough whatever uncle we six. call it. That's right. And you know what's weird too? Is this another movie where we have a dude fucking in rubber boots? Yeah. Uh, that does not seem like a good move at all, man. It's sweating. a terrible oh, it'd be gross. Yeah, I hope you got socks on at least. Yeah, I, you, you know. You have to have something. Rubber boots. On, yeah. Thermal underwear, something. I mean rubber boots. Anything. Rubber boots without socks, bad move. <laughs> bad move. <laughs> You're looking at you're looking at uh, like foot rot. You're looking at like all kinds of problems. Ugh, gross. <laughs> More new drinking. So GGTMC. So horror hound. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. And the yellow and the yellow water in the bathroom. That's so zom. It's so zom. <laughs> That's an inside joke there. <laughs> yes. Death by garden shears. That's yes. a really nasty death too. Yeah, that is man. Somebody saw the burning. Yeah, they totally did. Um, oh, we got a really awkward Paletta versus machine gun battle. Paletta's like a big wooden spoon. Mm-hmm. Yes. And she fell so awkwardly. And it's so funny that the one, I think it's his mom maybe in this, when she gets killed, she falls in such an awkward position 
that yeah. she has to like the camera stays on her. She has to readjust because she's clearly like put out her hip the way she fell, and she's trying to like adjust her legs before she cramps up anymore. <laughs> yeah, and it's so weird too. They set the dad up on top of like this like desk, like he's a little child. It's I know it. <clears throat> it's so strange. And her dad, the dad looked like the. Um, the uh, like Spaniard version of, uh, or like the German Spaniard version of Phil Donahue. It's <laughs> yeah. um, a weird moment. It's weird too how the gang accelerates. I mean, they, yeah, they're bad from the get go because they do something awful to his girlfriend, and that is terrible. Don't get me wrong, but they really accelerate when they get mad at him. They really take it up a notch with the violence, with the tears and the guns and all that stuff. Well, they use a switchblade to pull someone's stomach out. Yeah, it's just, they really go full blown. They really go for it, and it's funny because that girl thought she hit the jackpot. She was ditching like the asshole nudist who brings the steam trunk to the beach, <laughs> and she starts horseback riding. She's eating lobster for lunch, and then it goes downhill for her very quickly. Yeah, it goes. Yeah, you know, she really has a up and down relationship thing going on there. Oh yeah, big time. Uh, there's a great bar, busty barmaid in this. Oh, yeah, I really wanted to see Oof. more of the busty barmaid. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, um, good Lord indeed. Yeah, she's nice. I was hoping. <laughs> Where is your nut? Whoa. Uh, sorry. I meant to look up the busty barmaid. I need to look she's her nice. up. Uh, leather of course, boot. she's probably not She's probably not listed. I'd probably have to go through all the female names in the credits Jeez. because she's probably not listed. Oh, yeah. Well shot for what it was. Uh, oh, it, it, what's his name? Um, Spanish architect. I think we were talking about him the other day. Antonio Gauda. Mm-hmm. Antonio Gaudi, Antonio Gaudi, Anthony Gaudi. Uh, there's so we see some of his architecture in this, which is what made me realize it was Spanish, German, not Mexican. Um, and then there's this bizarre, yeah, inexplicably kind of just strange dominate Nazi dominatrix scene, which is weird. And at this point, our hero, and this was the one I was going to mention. You mentioned about the bomber jacket, and you said that it was sort of bomber jacket by Steve McQueen and at this point he looks like an empty nest era Richard Mulligan to me yeah yeah, yeah. when he's dressed in like these khakis mm-hmm. and like these like rock po- yeah, that jacket was shoots. popular that jacket was popular like in the late I don't know what kind of jacket it technically is it's not really a bomber jacket that's really kind of a leather jacket but uh, I can't remember what that jacket was but I think it was reversible to like a safety orange on the inside and it's a bomber it's a bomber yeah, I remember Stephen yeah. McQueen wearing it in The Hunter's last film. I remember him wearing it <clears throat> predominantly. I wore a black one in high school. Yeah, and I always wanted one because I thought, you know, Stephen McQueen was the coolest, you know. Yeah, all the Genos, the bomber jackets were big in the early 90s, man. They were. Um, Paul Grau, the director, also played the, also played Linus, the karate teacher. Oh, that's him, huh? Yeah. Interesting. Um, and I have to wonder if, because there's some stuff at the back end of this when our hero's looking for different weapons as there's a dominatrix doing her thing, if like Tarantino saw this and cause there's the scene with the gimp and everything else. But yeah, I got, I got, a, I got a few moments that I felt like, you know, it's one of those things that's been absorbed by him over the years. Yeah. Right? But this yeah. is a perfect runtime. It's like 75 minutes. Doesn't overstay its welcome. It's unbelievably sleazy and violent. It's just, it's exactly what you want it to be. Yeah. It's great. It's really great. I mean, it's a it's a stone cold classic in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, are you are you done? Yes. All right, we'll get into the MVT maker breaks. My maker break man, so many moments, so many. But I'll go with the the gang. Uh, you know, waking up for breakfast. 
Yeah, the best uh, part of yeah. waking up. Yeah, best part of waking up is stiletto in your cup. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, and he doesn't wear a cup, which we found out very quickly. Or anything else for that matter. Uh, <laughs> MVT, my note is what isn't an MVT in this, but I'll, yes. I'll, I'll go with... Uh, Man, you almost have to go with Stiletto, but I gave him the make or break, too. I'll go with the car. I like the car a lot. For the MVT, it's it's yeah. very, very nice. Yeah. And I'll say the score for me, 8.25. I love this movie. Yeah. I love I, it. As do I. It's 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 so good. So good. Like, if I, you know, if I have dudes over, we're all just hanging out, this is a perfect movie to throw on. I'm going to give you my stuff, and then I'll say a word. Um, my make or break scene... I guess I'm gonna go with. It's gonna sound like be gross to say, but like the first kind of like the, how the cycle of violence starts with like the bike yeah. explosion and then the rape and it just everything escalates in such a cartoonish way. That's a great scene. It is. I mean, it, I know it sounds, you know, kind piggish to say, piggish but it is say. a great scene. Uh, my, I mean, we see a lot. We see a lot of those scenes in these kinds of movies, um, and we've talked about a lot of them on the show over the years. So. Yeah. No, and the last film I'd said sort of the Harry Macho bullshit was the MBT, but for this I'm going to go with the unrepentantly or the, the cartoonishly unrepentant sleaze is my MBT. Okay. I okay. go with a million things. It's an embarrassment so of bitches. There's so um, much. My score is a little higher than yours. It's an 8.5. Nice. Now nice. I'm going to, I'm going to, I could easily go there though. <laughs> I'm going to say one word and you just have to answer yes or no for my money. I say Pantheon. Yeah, I say Pantheon. <laughs> and it's been a Easily. while since we've had Pantheon on the show. It is. It has been. Uh, although I've known for some time that if we ever covered this, we would oh, probably yeah. call it that. Yeah, absolutely. But we Because of all the stuff it. we've talked about over the years. It, That's this right. has, like I said, outside of a few, oh, you know, it doesn't everything. have the, the members only jackets or the Zubaz pants or certain things like that. But it has everything else. Yeah. Oh, it totally does. It totally does. The and questionable there's motorcycle gang, the... Uh, the uh, the hero who both seems involved and oddly uh, relaxed. He is such a gross, gross person. If you think about it. his girlfriend gets raped and murdered and he's into the bed of another woman that night. <laughs> and then he just is cruising down the street. And he picks up another one. Yeah. He takes her home to mom and dad. So, you oh, know, yeah, he's, he's a real high quality dude. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, that's the big show. Must um, own. Must own film must for everybody. Must own. Must, must own. own. And I, you know, I would say the same thing for Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man, but this one certainly must own. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. Um, all right. So uh, next week we are going to be, I sort of got ahead of myself, we are going to be doing an Arrow sponsored show. Yes. Uh, we're going to be doing their Black Cats release, Edgar Allan Poe's Black Cats release. It's a Sergio Martino film, which. We haven't had a good uh, Jalion in many a moon. Or good yeah, this is another one I think people think we've covered and we haven't yet. That's right. Uh, your vice is a locked room and only I have the key. Mm-hmm. And Lucio Fulci is the black cat. Yes. We're gonna this go is a nice nice release. It comes in a nice beautiful sleek black box with a nice big book in it. A beautiful release. Going to stay in Italy. And I think yeah, after that we might even be getting into some more stuff. There's a couple other things we're trying to get caught up with. So we'll yeah, have to yeah. see how it goes though. But um, we're getting caught up, though. Yeah, I think after that, we'll only have two more things, then we'll be caught up. Yeah, I think that that thing they sent me the other day, though, that's three films. I haven't got that yet. Okay. But we still have the other two, the spaghetti and the horror one, which we could maybe do, and then... Yeah, yeah. 
that one, and then we'll be caught up, right? So yeah, yeah I know they got they got a, they got a couple of three film releases coming out. They got one called that I'm really excited about called American Horror Volume One. Yeah, I saw that. That looks fantastic. Cause there's a few films that I've always meant to see. Yeah, there's actually all three of them I've always meant to see and I've never seen. So yeah. I'm really excited about that one. Oh, for sure. They might be total junk, but I've never seen them, so I, I, I'm excited. No, I agree. I agree. Okay. And if you guys want to know what we're talking about, just check out the Arrow website. Yeah. Again, they'll take uh, if you're a film fan, that's a company that's going to be taking a lot of your money. <laughs> Big time, man. Because they really put their care into these releases. And maybe arguably the best genre releasing company ever, in my opinion. I would agree with that. And people want to always talk about, or we always want to talk about um, Arrow Video. This transfer of this film at Fox's is Arrow Video-esque in terms of how yeah, good it, it looks. Is. I can't believe how great this movie looked. Yeah. <laughs> I would have thought it would have been the reverse. I would have thought Live Like a Dollar Man would have looked better than this one. Yeah. But it's I true. was surprised. No, very true. So let's, uh, I was going to say, let's take a short break. Let's take a long break. Yeah. And hopefully we'll be on a weekly schedule and hopefully I'll be in front of a microphone next time. Yeah, I don't know. sure. I don't know. We'll see. Sure. <laughs> if uh, you're driving home in your Stingray, avoid the motorcycle gang. Yes, but pick up the random hitchhiker. Yes, just leave the dude with the steam trunk there. <laughs> yeah. He's got to learn his lesson, man. It's yeah. a hard lesson to learn, but it is a hard lesson to learn. You know, that's but he had a good he had a good time at the beach, though. He did until he was left roadside with crack. It was sand in the crack of his ass, and <laughs> you know, yeah, I was pear shaped pretty quickly after that. <laughs> Not as much pear shaped as it goes for her. So <laughs> no, that's good. hey, better to live another day with sand in your ass crack and a, and a steam trunk in hand than uh, yeah. having your stomach uh, in your lap. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah, maybe there's <laughs> could be some, much worse. Something about sort of cosmic karmic fate uh, that the Germans are trying to tell us. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, all right, we're gonna go live like foxes, sleep like men, yes. and. Uh, that's about all she wrote. So with that, there's one thing left to say. Adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 